Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. Great to have you with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Michelle, the weekend is here. We've had this discussion in our house. In America... The weekend starts on Friday officially. Now, Thursday has become Friday in terms of people going out and people going out and grabbing food and stuff. Mm -hmm. And Friday is kind of like a day off. No, it's not because we're still working. Well, we're here, but I mean, this isn't really work. I mean, people that have real jobs. Well, you know, a lot of corporations, Randy, they have summer Fridays where people don't have to work on Fridays during the summer. They can take those long weekends. And, uh, you know, I kind of envy those people. I love our jobs. I love love hanging out with you guys. love talking sports. But a four-day work week would be ideal. That would be a lot of fun. You know, people have pulled that off in the past in our business. Stephen Colbert has pulled that off. Four-day work week? Yeah. Charlie Brennan from KMOX. He he retired, and before that, he was doing a four-day work week. I just think as a country, we need a four-day work week, and here's why. Yeah, we do. People are starting to go out on Thursday because at least one day of your weekend is not a day off. You're running your errands. Mm -hmm. You're doing the grocery shopping. You're doing the laundry. You're probably mowing the lawn. If you're a parent, you're definitely taking your kids to something. It's not a day to relax, and you know, they say the good Lord says there's you need a day to relax. You need a day of rest. There is no days off. We We've gone full Bill Belichick as a country, and I say we need one day where you're technically working, but you actually don't have to go to work. You just do all your errands. Good thought we need to make this a thing. All you people running for office, make it a thing. Should I run for office? You should. Or we can just get our friend, former Fastlane producer, C.W. Gardner, who's running for Senate here in the state of Missouri. And uh, as he says, uh, not what Missouri needs, but what Missouri deserves. And uh, so, yeah, I I think we could text Chris right now and see if we can make sure that we get the four-day work week going. He'll advocate that, just like Pot for Potholes. Should we pot for potholes? That's yeah, he great. wants to uh, nationally legalize pot and then use the proceeds to fix potholes. That's actually a great idea because yeah. there is potholes everywhere. With all of the construction that goes on on the roads, yeah. we should have zero potholes. Brandy, don't you think that the character and Smallman ticket, though, that we would have some success? Oh. Because we would not only run the four-day work week, that would be one of our main issues that we would take to heart and campaign on, but I just think we're kind of the common sense ticket. I think our issue is... And I've evaluated this when people said, Randy, you should run for office. I'm too nice to run for office. No, you are. The the people that are in office, 
apologies to politicians out there, but they're jerks. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is see the, the TV commercials that say, I approve this message. If you approve that message, you're a jerk. And yeah. I don't like you. And it's almost unfair because you have to do that in yeah, order to get into the game. Yeah. And that stinks. So we would be we would be changing politics. We'd run on the nice ticket. Yeah, that's right. The, the nice party. The we, nice we, party. <laughs> I love that. That could be our team. The nice party. Will we co or the, we could. It could be the fun party. The the nice and fun party. I love this. <laughs> so we get up there to debate Randy, and it's just, I love your shirt. You know what? You're a smart person. I might not agree with any of your policy ideas, but you seem like a yeah. great dad. <laughs> Just be do. super nice. We're happy this morning because the Cardinals won last night, 3-2. Finally. Snapped their four-game <laughs> losing streak. And what a fun game. The Cardinals... Uh, have not played fun games on this road trip. Let's be honest about it. But last night was a fun game. Scoreless through six. Atlanta starter Spencer Strider. Were you thinking that he was going to like do the Little League thing and strike out all 27? I actually was. And that happens with the Cardinals sometimes. Mm-hmm. Pitchers that they're not super familiar with. We know that they can get the best of the Cardinals. It's historically been something that we've seen. But he was cruising last night. And by the way, if you didn't watch the game or didn't listen to the game, the lineup was Donovan Yepes goldie Arenado, Gorman, at Newt Bar, Capel, Sosa, and Romine. So it really wasn't Murderer's Row that the Cardinals trotted out there last night against Spencer Strider, who was electric with 12 strikeouts, including the first nine outs he recorded. Matthew Libertor went four scoreless innings for the Redbirds. Albert Pujols with a seventh inning sack fly. Atlanta tied it on Michael Harris, the second homer in the bottom of the inning. But then in the bottom of the ninth, Orlando Arcia of the Braves got a leadoff walk against friend of the show, Ryan Helsley, and that brought Harris back to the plate. And the 1-1. Out to deep left center, and it is caught! Carlson with the catch, and this might be two. Throw to first, double play as Dylan Carlson saves the game here in the ninth inning. Unbelievable. Helsley struck out Ronald Acuna to end the inning. And, Michelle, we go to extra innings tied at one. And how about that catch by Dylan Carlson? Unreal. You know what that play was? That was a pry you from my cold, dead hands type of play. I was thinking about that comment last night as Carlson came on in the seventh inning and had a big night for the Redbirds. Yeah, you didn't even start the game and came in and you were the hero. Not once, but twice. So we're in extra innings and Juan Yepes with a sack fly for the Cardinals and a 2-1 lead. Then in the bottom of the 10th, Matt Olson singled home Acuna. We're tied at two into the 11th. Nolan Arenado with a base hit to move Ghost Run. Austin Romine to third, and that brought up Carlson. And that's lined for a base hit. Off the glove of Gosselin and into shallow right. Arenado scores, and the Cardinals back on top, 3-2. Cardinals didn't get any more in the top of the 11th, but Lefty Grove, a.k.a. Packy Naughton, came <laughs> on for a 1-2-3-11th, and the Cardinals win it by a score of 3-2. Here's manager Ali Marmol. It's super meaningful. That's a that's a good win. Um, we've gotten beat the last couple of days here, and uh, they played good baseball. Uh, today was good baseball on both sides, but uh, to get that win was a uh, it's a good one. That's really important. Carlson, Michelle, three for three coming on in the seventh inning, plus that great defensive play. He was unbelievable last night. It was great to see Dylan Carlson turn on the Jets a little bit. And he's another person, Randy, that we haven't talked about as much, but there's so much more there Mm -hmm. with Dylan Carlson. And if you get some of these guys going at the same time, this is a really good team. They, They have some holes they need to fill, and they certainly have guys who are injured that need to come back. But we forget often, I think, especially when you're coming off a road trip like this, that 
that there are a lot of really good pieces on this team, and Dylan Carlson is one of them. And, and when you start a game like the Cardinals did last night, when you've got uh, an outfield of Newt Barr in center field, and again, all due respect, Newt Barr, Capel, and then your starting right field last night was Yepes. That's a lot different than Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, and Dylan Carlson. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I would say so. But Dylan Carlson is, is one of those guys that we had talked about for a really long time, even when he was a prospect coming up because of John Mosellock. You're going to have to pry mm-hmm. him from my cold, dead hands type of a comment. And there's times like earlier in the season when he had that laser of a throw from the outfield or when he steps in last night cold and can do something like that for you, you see exactly the type of guy and the type of player that he can be. And Dillison, Dylan is a coach son and coaches always tell their sons and their players hey make sure that you know what you're going to do with the ball if you get it on this play what am I going to do next here's Dylan Carlson yeah just thought was uh, be aggressive go for anything in that situation Uh, obviously trying to keep it from going over our heads right there so uh, yeah just go make a play on the ball and then the presence of mind to get the ball back in on a perfect cutoff throw yep. to Tommy Edmond. It was a great play all around. And gosh, how badly did the Cardinals need that one, Randy? Not only to stop the the bleeding from the road trip, but to really turn the tide from an energy standpoint before you head back to Bush Stadium. Because we're getting closer and closer to the All-Star break, and they really need to right the ship. You, you gain a little bit of traction in the standings, two and a half games now behind Milwaukee. And you need to take care of business at home as much as you can versus the, the Phillies and then the Dodgers. And I'll tell you what, I know that a lot of people think that the Cardinals should have 40 All-Stars, and that if a great player goes down, that they should be able to bring up another guy who's going to go to the All-Star game. Doesn't work that way, generally. Well, doesn't work that way ever. Doesn't matter what team you are. But I'll tell you this, with the Cardinals missing half of their opening day lineup and 40% of their opening day rotation, or more, if you, uh, if you want to throw Jordan Hicks into that mix, to be only two and a half out coming home for the last homestand before the All-Star break, be two and a half out in five games over 500 with the last month of health that you've had, I'll take that. I will take that, too. And those same people, Randy, probably expect every young player that comes up to be Albert Pujols yeah, for the do. entirety of the season and not have there be any regression or any sort of um, ebbs and flows throughout a young player season. Yeah, I think there is a level of nuance that we as a fan base probably could come to grips with in terms of not having the players that you expected to have and using just use the flat tire analogy say or, or just try driving around for a week on your spare tire try to try doing that try driving around for a week on your spare tire and see how it goes i've never done it but i think you can't exceed certain speeds right you can't no can't can't really get cruising <laughs> the nhl draft was last night this first round of the draft the last six rounds will be today and uh, in Montreal, the Blues selected Jimmy Snuggerud, a right wing from Minnesota. He is committed to the University of Minnesota and will go to play their great program. He's 6'2", 187. And uh, I know the guys on uh, ESPN regard him as a, a third or fourth line guy. I always take the scouting reports in the NHL with a grain of salt because I see a guy like Brett Hull, who was... Not highly regarded coming out in the draft. I, I see a guy like Robert Thomas slip to the, I think, number 17 or 18. I see Jordan Cairo slip to the second round. I, I Ryan O'Reilly was a second round pick. I see too many guys that become stars in the NHL that are low draft choices. And this is not an affront to the people. They have to analyze something right. on TV. And all they can do is report what they see. But 
He's 18 years old. He'll look a lot different when he's 21. And I think the Blues do as good a job of anybody of projecting what an 18-year-old guy is going to look like when he's 21, 22. Yeah, I certainly trust the Blues and their scouting department yeah. to be able to pick out those guys that were going to translate their skills to the NHL level. But Randy, I loved the description of him last night after he was picked when they were talking about what people around him have, have described him as, where he's a pure shooter. They uh, said that people have said he has shades of Austin Matthews, mm-hmm. not a one-for-one one comp, but sometimes out on the ice, that's who he can look like. And I think that this is going to be another great pick for the Blues. And a great name, by the way. Yeah, Jimmy Snuggerud. That's an awesome name. And by the way, I kind of saw the David Perron one-timer. So maybe he's a David Perron type player. They say he's a hassle to play against. Should we get him on the show? Yes, he'll have to come on the show. Okay, great. Jimmy Snuggerud. Yeah, I'm going to need this kid to pan out because if we can't have like, you know, like Snuggies, like Snuggies, Snuggy or something like that, like the opportunities here are great. The nickname, like it's Snuggies right there. I mean, yeah, we need this. This kid needs to pan out. Jimmy Snuggy. I mean, come on. Uh, Jay Snuggs, right, Randy? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, I have a a Blues Snuggy at home. By the way, we get this from the 636. Quit making excuses. 19 strikeouts. They were 100% lucky to not get swept. I will take the win. Uh, 19 strikeouts, and if you're going to give me four strikeouts and a loss, or 19 strikeouts and a win, I'll take the 19 strikeouts and a win. So, hey, you know what? Someone really smart once said, "You play to win the game." Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Uh, come on, let's be happy. Let's let's have a good Friday. Let's smile and let's be optimistic. Okay, it's you can look at the 19 strikeouts and say, "Yeah, that that wasn't ideal." But look at the end result. Let's look big picture here at the, the fact that the Cardinals won a game. I mean, you spent enough time being unhappy this week. They lost four in a row. So let's be happy with a W. Yes. And as we mentioned, get that energy going before you come home. Mm-hmm. You ended the road trip. That was a it was a terrible road trip. Every person on that team will tell you this was an awful road trip. We are so glad to be going back to Bush Stadium, but it's much much easier to go back to Bush Stadium and feel like you can turn things around before the break when you're coming off of a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, Zach Wheeler was traded in 2010 to the New York Mets in exchange for Carlos Beltran. And Carlos Beltran played a month and a half for the Giants. And because he got traded, they didn't get anything in return when he signed with the Cardinals as a free agent. And Zach Wheeler is one of the best pitchers in baseball. So complain about Randy Rosarena, but it does happen to other teams, too. Mm -hmm. Zach Wheeler to the Mets and then on to the Phillies for essentially nothing. How many organizations could lose Oscar Tavares, somebody that was supposed to be their next Albert Pujols, and lose a series of young players that we have talked about, like a, like a Randy Rosarena, a Sandy Alcantara, a Gallant. I mean, we could go on and on with... We used to have a list, ready, a power rankings yeah. of Cardinals players that were having success elsewhere. But how many organizations could endure all... And, and, and by the way, having your franchise icon and Albert Pujols leaving. Yeah. All of these things happen... And still be in the position the Cardinals are in. Very few. It's it's hard. If you can go out and buy free agents like the Dodgers or the Mets or the Yankees or the Angels, if you can buy replacements and not make a mistake, you can do that. But in terms of having a budget, and the Cardinals do have a budget, whether you like it or not, it exists. Their payroll is going to be in that $150, $160 million range. They aren't going to go and buy a bunch of replacements. They're going to have to draft and develop or use their kids like they did to get Jason Hayward or Marcelo Zuna. And it is not easy to have that sort of thing happen to your your organization. By the way, I I said this for a long time. If you go back to 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, the Cardinals thought 
after they lost in 2014 to the Giants after the Ishikawa home run, they thought that for the next five years that they were going to have Oscar Tavares as their number three hitter and Alan Craig as their number four hitter. And and Craig is hurt and is never the same, right? Uh-huh. Uh, actually, after 13, because he got tra- Craig got traded during 14. But it was 13 uh, after that World Series. They thought, okay, next five or six years, we're going to have Tavares and Craig as our three and four. But Craig had been hurt during the World Series and was never the same. And then Tavares a year later is dead. And they thought that the rotation in some way, shape, or form would have a Michael Waka, a mm-hmm. Carlos Martinez, yeah. and an Alex Reyes. Yeah. So, yeah, things do happen. And you just have to deal with them. And the Cardinals, they haven't won a World Series, so you can say they haven't dealt with it very well. But if you look at the circumstances, I think that the fact that they haven't had a losing season and they've been able to maintain, that's a pretty good thing. Tonight, by the way, Wayno pitches. And you're going to the game. I'm going to the game. And I'm so excited. It's my first game as a fan this season. So have fun. Wayno against Wheeler. It should be a great matchup, as it was on Sunday Night Baseball. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got Peak and Pitt on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Up into the peaks or into the pit. Peaks and pits. Join in on the conversation with Carriker and Smallman now. Text 65780. This is 101 ESPN. Pitt here on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Michelle is here. Matthew is here. I'm Randy. And Michelle, seems like a long time ago, but the 4th of July was this week. I know. It's a weird week. And I made a spectacular burger on Monday that I I can still kind of uh, visualize. It, It was fantastic. That's clearly my peak of the week. And my pit, Michelle, is that when I was a kid, even when I was in my 20s, 30s, I handled the heat really, really well. And I don't know if it's me or if it's the climate difference, but on a week like this, I walked out and I could feel my skin burn. Mm -hmm. And the heat for me has never been miserable. And this week's heat for me has been miserable. And that's my pit. It's a thickness in the air. Yeah. It makes you not really want to do anything. No. And I got out, and I, I guess, two days ago and got out for a bike ride. I haven't played golf at all this week, which is terrible. Um, But normally it's 101, 102 degrees and I can do it. But then I look on my phone and it says feels like 111. And it just, like I said, it makes my skin feel like it's burning and I can't do it. That's a bummer. Yeah. Because I know that you're dying to go out there and golf more. uh, If uh, the weather gets nice today, and I know my friends at Fox Run are listening, uh, if the weather gets nice today, you can count on me. Well, I think with this rain, Randy, it might cool down a little bit. You may be in Mm -hmm. luck. I'm hoping so. So I'm looking at my AccuWeather right now. And 88 degrees with a 5% chance of rain in the 11 o'clock hour. So uh, I think we got something here. 88, 89, 91. I think I'm out. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Well, Randy, um, my there's a lot of peaks for me this week. I had a short work week. I'm going to the Cardinals game tonight for the first time. But I think my peak is that uh, one of my good girlfriends, Katie Caro, is getting married this weekend. Katie Caro Cheney. And all okay. of my and a bunch of my friends from college are coming into town. Oh, it's going to be a party. Yeah. And, you know, 
not only does life happen and you don't get to see your friends as much as you would like to, but with the pandemic, there's so many people that I haven't seen in years. You forget yeah. that you haven't seen pe- a lot of people before the pandemic. And what might feel like six months or a year actually has been two plus years. So I'm really excited to see That's so great. many people um, that I love together and watch my friends get married. Um, and I would say that my pit, Randy, is that I went to the grocery store when I got back from vacation. And you know, when you're on vacation, you're not really eating well. You're maybe having a cocktail or three. You're not <laughs> sleeping. Sometimes you just crave your own bed and some veggies and some fruit, right? So I went out, I got some some stuff to make some salads, I got some berries, went this morning to open the berries to eat some mold. No. I am so sick of buying produce, specifically blueberries or raspberries or blackberries, and they last for like a day in the fridge, and then they have the mold on Should them. Should not happen. It, but it happens all the time. It, 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 but if you're buying from a grocery store, it shouldn't happen, should it? It should not. But what I'm thinking is they put the ones that are about to expire in the front and all they the sure good do. stuff in the back, yeah. which makes a lot of sense logistically, but it, I couldn't eat any of them. I was so mad. So that's a pit for me. That is a big time pit and you know what it's I, I would even get it more like if you go to Soulard Market and that would happen right but yeah not not a grocery store shouldn't happen at a yeah it was, it was a real bummer uh Matthew what do you got my Matthew come on you tell us about your week my week uh peak and pit sorry I'm really tired today <laughs> why are you so tired <laughs> okay, because of my, the peak. Peak, my peak has to be the fact that it's a four-day week my pit is that somehow I've made I've I've been so done with my sleeping that I've somehow come out exhausted at the end of a four-day week like a moron oh, I get it well when you're coming in from a long holiday week yeah. you you're already tired. Yeah, you're I already thought I'd be operating at a deficit. You know what I mean? Like, it's a four-day week. That's been amazing. It's gone so quickly. But now I'm here on Friday. I'm like, man, I'm sapped. Michelle, it's young love. Oh, young love. <laughs> Tell this. me more. Tell me more. You've been so good. Don't you start this. You've been so good. Summer loving had him a blast. <laughs> You've been so good. Speaking of which, we'll, we'll go to a peak and pit as I, as I frantically change the... Oh uh, my gosh, is he the, <laughs> uh, peak, Is I that why out, you're so tired? Peak, I asked out my local barista and she said, yet yeah, pit, turns out she's not that interesting and after one date I won't be seeing her again. Double pit, I need to find a new coffee shop now. Oh, that's oh, a no. bummer. That is, you know, when you find a coffee spot that you like, it's such an important part of your routine. It's something that you look forward to. Because some days, you know, I do the gratitude journal. Some days you're really reaching. Some days are just, uh, every day's a good day. But some days your positive things at the end of the day are, I'm breathing, I'm alive, my family is healthy, I had a good cup of coffee today. And if you have to remove that from the equation that you know is going to be a guaranteed good part of your day, that is a problem. Yeah, that's an important thing is to have... Just a level of consistency in your, somewhere in your life, a level of consistency that you can count on every single day. So, Matt, tell us more about this lovely uh, lady. Peak or pit. <laughs> my driver got dented when I got my clubs out of the trunk. Oh. Peak, the golf shop I took to it to, took them to, fixed it for free. That is incredible. That's fantastic. Good for you. Fixed it for free. That is yeah. a major peak. Is there anything that feels like dumber when you're an adult than like having something expensive and like doing something really stupid to like kind of almost ruin it like banging up against like a door or like scraping it against something and you just I feel so dumb when you that mean kind like of stuff happens. pulling out of your driveway and destroying your mailbox something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. it yeah. feels stupid one of those yeah exactly it's it's like you're 12 years old all over again and you just broke something inside the house yeah. you're just 
Oh, God, what now? Pit, no hockey, peak NHL draft. NHL draft was fun. By the way, I had a lot of people that got in touch last night, whether via text or uh, on the Twitter machine, asking when the trades were going to come. And the Blues didn't want to trade assets from last night because they want future assets so that they can make deals to utilize those assets. So it wasn't going to be something where they were going to try to make a deal and then try to move picks last night. What they're thinking about is next year, that they can have a group of assets with their own picks and somebody else's picks to go out and get the player or players that they desire. I tweeted this last night. Do you think Vladimir Tarasenko was a St. Louis Blue for the 2022-23 season? Couple thousand votes. Sixty-three point two percent say no. I'm with that group. Me too. I don't think he is. Pitt, the Cardinals losing all week. Peak. Today's my last day of work. Retirement. Congratulations. Oh, retirement. You've earned it. It's a good time of year to retire too. Because yeah. it's gonna you head into the fall. I always thought that if I got well. One time I got laid off in the fall. It's really the only time I didn't consistently do radio. It was in 08. And so I uh, I had this job here, but I could come in. We were building the station. I could come in whenever I wanted. So I was off September, October, November, part of December. What a great time of year to not be working. It was fantastic. Oh, all the great sports going on. Yeah. Perfect weather, probably outside. Perfect fall weather. Bike riding. Yeah, you could great. you could go out and see different sporting events. Holidays are around, so yeah. you're building up for that. Sounds it, awesome. So if if there is, and this is retirement, this is different. But if you're if if you're angling to get whacked, try to get whacked late August. <laughs> <laughs> Peak all the Tarasenko trade talk yesterday. Pitt, he did not get traded. Oh, so you want him to get traded. And I'll go back. Free agency starts next Wednesday. That's the key day because that's when the Blues will want to open up cap space to sign Perron, sign their defenseman or trade for a defenseman. I think that is more of a target date. Noon, I think it's 11 o'clock St. Louis time, next Wednesday. Is that the 13th? The 13th is the first day of free agency. Randy, yes, noon next Wednesday. So 11 o'clock St. Louis time. That's when you have to be looking for a trade. Hmm. Sorry, somebody texted a really dumb joke I had to laugh at. No, is it is it terrible? <laughs> Why is it so hot in the stadium after the baseball game? Why? All the fans leave. <laughs> I like that a lot. That's okay. terrible. Yeah, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, get your text in for Jay Delsing. You got a question about your golf swing, your golf game? Well, Jay has your answers. He's a former PGA pro and an analyst on Fox, and he's with us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Sunday morning at 9, Golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy and Carriker and Smallman welcome Jay Delsing to this show every Friday morning at 7.30 or so. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are we doing this morning? Good. I, I was just mentioning that uh, I have reached a point now where it's very difficult for me to deal with the extreme heat. And I guess when we have extreme heat warnings, it should be. But how do you do with the heat these days? I hate to tell you, man, I'm in the same boat as you are. I, I walk out, I'm like, nah, it's a little too hot for me. I can't I can't believe that I'm saying that. But Because um, growing up here, I used to walk 36 or 54 holes carrying my bag and all this stuff and think nothing of it. And now I, I'm 
I'm old. I'm old, you guys. It's bad. Bad. <laughs> well, we, it, you're you and I are older, and the climate has changed. I mean, it's just it feels different. Oh my gosh! I mean, in, in terms of you know, just like you said, you're feeling your skin almost burn. It's like someone has just thrown a really hot, wet blanket on top of you. You know, and you just walked out of your car. It's tough, but I, I'd much prefer that over the cold. I, I, I do yeah. much better that so i'm i'm not sure why we live here guys we're talking about (laughs) most of the weather we have all the time i'm with you jay it's brutal it's it's not raining or snowing it's too hot to do anything but (laughs) do you have any tips though when the heat is this bad and you're out golfing uh, ways that because i always think that if it's that hot you're going to wear down at, at some point do you have anything that maybe you bring with you or that you that people listening can buy when the heat gets that bad that it won't affect their golf game well, one of the things when I was playing all the time is that uh, we were told consistently, you know, to drink a lot of water, but you don't only sweat out water. So you lose a lot of your electrolytes and things like that. So I used to mix a little Gatorade or something in. I would drink a bottle of water every hole when I played from probably May through September because we were out throughout the Midwest and any place we played at the time, it was extremely hot. And um, I, it really, really helped. Um and the problem is, is that our listeners like to go out and have a cocktail or two <laughs> while you're playing, and I don't blame them, and mm-hmm. that's the worst thing you can do out in the heat. It might make you feel better for a while, but then when it smacks down on you, you gotta you got to replace it with some, some Gatorade to take yeah. a couple holes off and, you know, throw a Gatorade in there or two. Absolutely. Jay, we get this text from the 618. Uh, question for Jay. I tend to hit my wedges way too high. What are some tips to have a lower trajectory with the wedges? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, when I started playing golf around the country and playing with with really good players, the the best of the best hit their long irons and their long their longer clubs really super high, and they hit their short irons really super low, and it and it really uh, resonated with me way back then and even now. So, um, the best players on tour hit their wedges low and for much more control and much more spin. So. You've got to get the ball. Let's assume you're a right-handed golfer. It's got to go back towards your right foot, and your hands have to remain forward in your setup. So it's really going to feel awkward. So you're, you're actually going to feel like you might, um, for, for lack of a better way to describe it, almost hit this thing into the ground. But if you continue turning your lower body as you move through this, uh, this shot, you're going to see the ball trajectory come down remarkably. And, guys, this is a great time of year for the British Open. We've got the Genesis Scottish Open, which is a PGA Tour co-sanctioned event playing this week. You're going to see a hell of a lot of wind over there. So you can pick up tips just by watching these guys play. You'll see, you'll notice, and I know you know this, Randy, this, the, when, you're, when you see the tour players abbreviate their finish, meaning their, their hands aren't way up over their shoulder and around by their their left ear, that means that they're hitting the ball, trying to hit the ball lower and keep it under the wind. And so that's that's the best way to, to watch some of those great players do that. The 636 asks, Jay, I've been given a set of clubs, but no driver. The clubs are decent. Um, hang on, let me scroll down really quickly. Sorry, Jay. The clubs are decent. Does it matter <laughs> the type of driver with the clubs, or can I get any driver? 
You can get any driver. You can get any driver. And 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 I got to tell you, and Randy knows, can vouch for this, get yourself fitted. Call CJ over at Pro-Am Golf. He's the best guy in town. It's incredibly inexpensive. But he'll tell you, hey, this is a sort of, driver or this is a sort of shaft that you need for your driver to maximize your power and distance because everybody the, guys this is what happens all the time you play with your buddies and one of your buddies goes out and gets fitted and gets a driver and he smashes it and you go hey man let me try your driver and you hit it one time and hit it better than yours mm-hmm. and so you buy what he got this guy i'm telling you guys the guys do this all the time i can vouch and for after, this Randy, and after, right? And then after 10 minutes ago, I don't even like this driver. But it fits, you know, my buddy Steve, great. It's just because you have to get fitted and get it customized for, for, for your height, for your swing speed, and for, um, uh, for, for your game. And it, it just, they didn't even have some of this stuff around. This is all Tiger Woods generated information, guys, because Tiger brought so much cool stuff to the game and so much more money and so much more attention that people were realizing, hell, I don't, I, these, I, I don't have the right set of clubs in my hand. And they'll even go as far as designing, you know, telling you which golf ball will perform better for you. So the one thing that I do love about the heat, guys, is the ball just explodes. Yeah, it goes so much farther in the heat, so I feel much younger when I do hit one. <laughs> and we should point out, Jay, that uh, for this texture with the clubs that were given to him, even for somebody who has clubs that were given, you can go and get those clubs fitted. Now, they, they aren't going to be the, the perfect club for you, but at least in terms of your height, you, they can be gripped so that they're the perfect length for you. No no question. And the, and the lie angle, yeah. which is tremendously important. You know, if you're six, you know, tall like I am, six foot five or a little shorter and maybe six foot tall, five, ten, something like that. That lie angle makes a huge difference, and guys, it's 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 really it's inexpensive, and and they can do it all for you at Pro Am Golf. It is it will not take a lot of money. It'll take a little bit of time, but you'll you'll love it, especially if you love the game. Jay, a couple more quick things: the John Deere Classic last week in St. Louis, and Chris Nagel with a terrific performance. He ties for 16th at minus 12, and he was in the hunt there on the last day and had a great chance at the top 10. But a really uh, terrific performance over the weekend by Chris Nagel. Oh, you guys, Chris Nagel, besides being one of the coolest humans that I know, he has been playing so much good golf in the last three or four years, but has not really been able to have a place to, to showcase his skills. He goes up to the John Deere. He, he gets in on the Monday qualifier. And going into Sunday's round, you guys, he's in the mix. I mean, he's in the top ten, and if he – if he can go low, JT Poston walked walked away with it, so probably wasn't going to to happen for Nags. But it's it's great. He and his wife have three boys. He's just a great St. Louisan and a great guy to to root for, and I couldn't be happier for him. And he made almost a hundred grand, Randy, finishing that you know wherever he did last yeah. week. So good for him, no doubt. Especially as a Monday qualifier. And finally, Jay, we get this from the three one four. A question for Jay Delsing: Of all the accolades and trophies that you've won, where does the CYC Championship for St. Pius rank in soccer? <laughs> oh man, we 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 did win that. Um, <laughs> way up there, way up there, guys. That was it. Was actually I think we were in fifth or sixth grade or something, and, and we won the city county soccer championship. Oh boy! See, um, your friends are listening. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, man, I, I know if if uh, if my mom was not passed on, I would have thought that she would have tossed that out there. But whoever <laughs> did, I appreciate you bringing up the old St. Pius days. Our uniforms and we look like criminals, you guys. When they took our pictures of us, we you know nobody had the same shorts. I had a, I was wearing an extra small shirt, you know, and I was kind of a big kid and a little chubby. It was uh, it was we were it was a good look back then. <laughs> Fantastic. And who do you have on the show this Sunday? Guys, I've got uh, Colt 55. I got Colton Pareko nice. on the show. What a really cool guy. And he has um, aligned himself with the Ronald McDonald House here in town. And, you know, those guys, that charity does uh, uh, just great work for families in need. And so uh, they have a, a golf tournament fundraiser coming up. And I got to talk to him. And he um, he's, he's not a huge golfer, but uh, what, a, what a nice guy he is. Yeah, he's one of the nicest people in in the world of sports. I'm glad you're having him on. Always good to talk to you because you're one of the nicest people in sports, too. And have a great weekend, Mr. Delsing. Oh, my gosh. Same to you guys. you got to come by Wild Crush and have one. Randy, I haven't I haven't been able to buy you a glass of wine over there, but Michelle's come over a couple times. Yeah. So yep. you gotta, you got to sneak over and... And have one. It's uh, with air conditioned, so we don't have to worry about the heat. You know what? When, whenever we drive by, and we do pretty often, I always to say to Joan, I say, "Hey, Jay's Wine Bar is right there." So yeah, we'll, we'll make it over very soon. Appreciate you guys. All Thanks right. so much. Take care. That is the great Jay Delsing with us talking golf on 101 ESPN. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. It's take it or leave it for you on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Michelle, Randy, and Matthew with you. And, Michelle, the New York Post reporting that insiders say that amorous fans have been sneaking into the new prayer rooms at the All England Tennis Club for a spot of saucy doubles. Oh! Disheveled couples have been spotted leaving the sacred space looking rather more flustered than they did when they went in, with oohs and ahs heard from the booths. Take it or leave it, this is bad form on the people that are doing this in a room of prayer. Um, They're just trying to speak to God, Randy. I think so, yeah. Have a uh, have another worldly experience, as it were. Yeah, you know, the body's a temple, too, allegedly. <laughs> right? Yeah. A, t- a temple in a room of prayer, just getting, getting your religion on. One visitor told the Post that she, uh, he spotted a man and woman leaving one of the rooms with big grins on their faces as they, as they headed back to watch some tennis. Uh, she was in a long, flowing summer dress, and there was no doubt as to what they'd been up to, he said. Wow. Hey, just having fun. Kids in the summertime. Oh, these cr- don't talk about Matt like that. He's right here. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> there we go. Hey. Whoa. Set the vibes. You know the vibes are right on a Friday morning. Wow, the, this is like. By the way, the Wimbledon uh, website describes this new facility as quote a space where guests can retreat for a moment of private meditation, prayer, or reflection, or simply to escape the crowds around the grounds. 
uh, take it or leave it, they should have just taken out the quote part where it says, a space where guests can retreat for a moment to private meditation, prayer, or reflection, and just said, it's a room where you can escape the crowds around the grounds to get it on. Yes, but the key word and everything you just said for me, if I'm these people, is private. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, a private space? Yeah, you can lock the door. Maybe they're in there and they're getting their religion on and the Holy Spirit tells them, now's the time to act. I'm bringing you two together in love. I think that's probably what's happening. Yeah, it's true love. Maybe they were touched by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Oh, Wimbledon's great. Michelle was saying earlier during a break, I I gotta get to Wimbledon. Now I know why. She read the New York Post. (laughs) Shh, Randy. But yeah, it was like a great time for many reasons. Okay, so remember when Tom Brady and Bill Belichick got divorced? Yeah, I do remember that. How many conversations were had around this country? Who's going to be more, who was more responsible for the Patriot success, Mm -hmm. Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? Well, there's no question that the Patriot success was totally a product of Tom Brady. But remember, we had all of those discussions. Yeah. Take it or leave it. We should be having that same conversation about Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson in Seattle. Oh, I'm going to take that. Yes. That because Pete Carroll never won in the NFL until he had Russell Wilson. So this year with Drew Locke or whomever it might be, that will be a different realm for Carroll that he's never dealt with in the NFL. So, yeah, that's totally a conversation to have. And he he's a good coach, and they had a great defense, Russ, and Russell Wilson's going to have to prove that he's the guy as well. Yeah. But I'm just kind of surprised that with an organization and a coach-player combo that's had that much success, we're not having that same narrative surround these two. But it was six Super Bowls versus one. I think that's – and if Seattle winds up losing this year – I think that will become a bigger conversation. Was Pete Carroll in the NFL a product of Russell Wilson? But outside of Brady Belichick, and I'm not even going to put Big Ben Mike Tomlin in this combo because there was never a who's more responsible for the other's success. I don't know why we don't have Mm -hmm. that combo with them, but I feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers are always one of those organizations that find success, so we don't really talk about them that much. But what other quarterback head coaching duo has had as as much success in the NFL outside of Brady and Belichick. I think Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson are right there. Yeah. I think if you go back, by the way, and I know that Eli Manning is rated differently by different people, but Tom Coughlin never got to a Super Bowl without Eli Manning either. Mm. It's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, and think about it, by the way, if they would have given the ball to Marshawn, we'd be having a different conversation, yes, too, about the about a dynasty and, and about that that era of Seahawks football. Yeah. So I guess the guy that's the best is Sean McVay because he went to a Super Bowl with Goff and he won one with Stafford. Wow. Nah. We're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> Uh, All right, Matthew, what do you got on the text line? (laughs) Nah, take it or leave it. Without a big move by Mo at the deadline, Arnato opts out at the end of the year or next year. I'm going to leave leave that. (laughs) I'm going to leave that. I think he's Uh, I think he's sad. Yeah, he he loves it here. He loves the team. He knows that every year he has a chance to win. And even putting that stuff aside, he turns 32 next April, and he's due I think 35, 35. 35. Let me ch- ch- do a quick check for you here. Uh, he's due a lot of money. Uh, so it's it's 35 million in 22, 35 million in 
23, 35 million in 24, then 32 million in 25, and 27 million in 26. I don't think that a, a major league team, as great as Nolan Arenado is, is going to pay him through age 36 the sort of money that he's due to leave that contract. And I think that this is just a guy that is so intense about baseball and loves mm-hmm. playing baseball. And I don't know where else he's going to go that he's going to have somebody across from him and Paul Goldschmidt that's going to match that intensity and that he's going to have that same amount of trust in mm-hmm. that he has with Paul Goldschmidt. There, When when it's all said and done with Wayno and Yachty and Albert, those are the two pillars. Those are the two mm-hmm. guys that are getting the baton. I mean, they're already superstars, but they are going to be the undisputed leaders for this organization. And I just don't know where else he would go, where he would get all of that and feel as comfortable probably as he does in St. Louis. My guess would be that if he were to pick another team to go to, it would be the Dodgers because that's a team he grew up watching and they're his hometown team. And they don't really have a prospect on the way that you say, okay, that's a logical guy at third base. But if they re-sign Trey Turner, then they're going to have to do something with the the players, they're just going to have too many guys. And Nolan Arenado would be better than any of them. But I don't even see the Dodgers. They're reticent to give $100 million contracts, especially after the Trevor Bauer experience, yeah. uh, to, to outsiders. So I, I would be surprised if the Dodgers would go there. And I would be really surprised if that would even enter Nolan's mind because he really loves it in St. Louis. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals will go 7-3 and three on this 10-game homestand. I'm going to leave that. They're still missing a lot of key elements and is it four against the Dodgers that they have? Yeah, I'm looking right now. I didn't know if it was three or four. Stand by. You've got three against Philly and then uh, four against somebody and then uh, you've got the Reds. It's four versus the Phillies, three versus the Dodgers, three versus the Reds. Okay, so figure if you split with Philly, take two of three, maybe... Yeah, that's seven's... Yeah, it's... If you split with Philly, you sweep the Reds and you take one... Versus the the then Dodgers. All of a sudden, you got seven. Yeah, I don't know if you'll be able to sweep the Reds. They're playing okay, not great, but okay. Uh, and also, right now, you're looking like you're going to get Green Ladolo and Ashcraft for the Reds. So that's at least that's at least one game you're probably not going to win. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say uh, 500, based upon what the Cardinals have right now, would probably be what I would project. And then they'll just have to take off and have a lot of 10 game stretches where they win seven in the second half of the season. Wheeler, Gibson, Sanchez, and Nola for this four-game run against the Phillies isn't an ideal break. No, it's not. That'll happen. Uh, Take it or leave it. Carlson's catch last night was one of the better center field plays in a while, but Ankiel would have hit Goldie without a bounce. I'm going to leave that. Uh, Ankiel had a great arm, but I don't know if he throws it without a bounce to Goldie. Yeah, by the way, I don't, I don't know if that was hard I, to pull yeah, off. I don't think that was Carlson's best throw of the year. I think the throw here to third base was a better throw <sighs> earlier was it, like in the 97 season. 97 miles an hour? Yeah. It was an absolute laser. Laser. Take laser. It or, <laughs> take it. It's a They've laser. They've got laser show. beams on their heads. <laughs> I was going Dustin Pedroia. Laser show. Uh, cards have a terrible second half and miss the playoffs. Take it or leave it. Leave it. Yeah, I'm going to leave that. They're going to get healthier. They're going to have. A fortified pitching staff. And they get hot down the stretch. The Cardinals There's are, no way. They're big picture thinkers, and we are reactionary as fans, which is what we should be because we're emotionally invested. But the Cardinals are able to coolly traverse a season, and they're always good. 
pretty much in August and September. Mm-hmm. And they're planning for August and September. And no, they aren't. I can't imagine the Cardinals collapsing. When's the last time the Cardinals collapsed? I can't remember. Been a long time. 95, maybe? Wow. Yeah, they were pretty uneven in 07. And what was the other year they missed the playoffs? What was that 08. 08? And then 2010. But in none of those years did they collapse. They were just kind of uneven. The you know, the, the pitching staff wasn't what you wanted it to be. Literally, it's around years when a guy like stepped up and did like crazy stuff we didn't expect for the pitching staff. So it kind of fits that it wouldn't work then. Yeah. Um, Last time the Cardinals finished under 500 was 07, I believe. Uh, that was a 78 and 84 season. But even that, well, I, I can tell you if they collapsed in the second half. So uh, first half of the season in this is I'm looking at the 07. This is the last year that the Cardinals. Finished under 500, and they was 07. Were, yeah, yeah. So yeah, some people weren't even born then. Uh, it's a rough fan base. Yeah, it is. First Life half is. they were 40 and 45. Second half they were 38 and 39. So the Cardinals just—they, it's not in their DNA to collapse. It's just not part of what this ownership will allow them to do. Yeah, but Randy, they haven't won a championship in 11 years, and that's untenable. These people opinion. would hate the Yankees. They would hate being Yankee fans, wouldn't they? They would hate being fans of almost any other team. I think so. Yeah, if you, if you don't like the Cardinals simply because they in the World Series, then who do you like right now? I mean, are you? I guess you're an Astros fan. They won in 2017. Well, they cheated. Braves fan. They won last year. They went through some rough, rough stretches. Cardinals too. won 90 games last year, and the Braves won 88. <laughs> yeah, but, the but they oh. have the they had the hardware, Randy. Wait they a second. Have the hardware. Three one four says that last June they collapsed. So, I mean, how well, many 90 games, Randy? Yeah, well, that, I used. Well, that wasn't really a collapse. It was a terrible month. Yeah. A collapse this, to me is down the stretch that, that when you have an advantage. That's like what I'm saying. Six months long. Yeah. They're actually, their worst collapse in recent times was probably in 06. When, Turned out okay. Yeah. But <laughs> if you go back and look at their month by months, that was probably, I'll give you that one. And I know we got to get to a break. We're going to. Uh, Let's see. September of 06, they went 12 and 16. Ah. So there's wow. a, there's a collapse for you. But again, I th- think it turned out all right. It, yeah, fun. It wound up being okay. Uh, coming up next on 101 ESPN, what do the Blues non-moves of last night tell us about where they're headed for next season? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Selection the St. Louis Blues are pleased to select Jimmy Snuggerud and TDP. So it's Jimmy Snuggerud, the fifth pick from the U.S. National Team Development Program. And here's someone a lot of teams were very, very high on. All the things I read leading up to this draft was such great ceiling for this guy. His dad, Dave, the 265 NHL games under his belt in the 1990s. And he says that his role model, guys, is Brock Besser of the Vancouver Canucks. Interesting. That is last night's coverage of the draft on ESPN. It's Carriker and Smallman, 810. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle, I mentioned earlier that when I saw the highlights of Jimmy Snuggerud, and I had never heard of Jimmy Snuggerud before the Blues drafted him, but when I saw the highlights, I thought, you know, kind of a David Perron-looking shot, and mm-hmm. 
According to the scouts, the Blues scouts, Snugrud excelled on the power play with his seven power play goals, ranking second on his team behind the number three pick in the draft, Logan Cooley. But here's what hit me. Adam Nightingale, who coached the NDTP the past two seasons, says he's got a world-class shot. It really takes his stick, takes off his stick, and he's able to get it off quick. I just think he's a driven, competitive kid that's at a really high level. And... They talked about what a hassle he is to play against, to paraphrase, on uh, on ESPN. And that kind of reminded me of some David Perron vibes. Yeah, I love that. I love that comp, Randy. I also love this quote in JR's piece at The Athletic about what the Blues saw in him. It says, we see the skill set, the hockey sense, the ability to shoot a puck and make a play. He's a good all-around player. This player knows what it's about, what it's going to take down the road to be a National Hockey League player. And obviously with his dad playing in the NHL, he's got the bloodlines and understand understands what it's going to take. But I think this was a good pick by the Blues. And the Blues were talking about moving up or down, and we asked Jeremy Rutherford yesterday, I gave him a take it or leave it, the Blues will use the 23rd pick, and he left it thinking that the Blues would either either move up or down, because there were about 17 players in this draft. And one thing about this draft, Michelle, is that apparently it's not very good. It's not very deep. And if you're another team, say Calgary, and you've got Matthew Kachuk, and you're the Blues, and you're going to move... Vladimir Tarasenko, and this is all speculation. This is just all me. I don't want to hear anything. But because the Blues aren't talking and the Flames aren't talking and the Kachuk camp isn't talking. But here's my thought process. If you're going to give up assets for a guy like Kachuk, if you're Calgary, you want picks for next year, not last night. You don't. You, yeah. you, next year is a deeper draft. And so if you're the Blues, you take your time in getting the highest harvest of assets for Vladdy so that you have the most to move to Calgary, and that includes choices in next year's draft rather than this year's draft. Think about the patience that's been required from Doug Armstrong throughout this entire Vladimir Tarasenko saga. He gets word that Vladdy wants out, and he has to really discern whether he's going to move on from a player who might not want to be here or take the risk that he's going to come back and A, not be healthy, or B, have a chip on his shoulder Mm -hmm. because he didn't get moved. That was a risk that required some patience, and thankfully, Vladdy came back. He was healthy, and it was like the off-season trade conversation never even happened, so that worked out in Army's favor. But then as Vladdy continued to produce and have a good season, I'm sure Doug Armstrong's been having conversations. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that he realizes that Vladdy's value has shifted and that people are looking at him differently, and I wonder how many conversations were had about Vladdy leading up to to last night to where maybe he might have been tempted or you're at least intrigued by some some of the the offers or conversation points that might be coming your way but to say no we're going to wait we're going to view this this draft as a way to get what we need while also looking at next drafts class and realizing it's a deeper crop of talent I mean he's just really had to be patient and kind of lie in the weeds here waiting to strike and make the right deal and by the way, we should mention that there are cryptic messages coming from Vladdy on his social media. He he liked Michelle's tweet from several years ago the other night, and then yesterday, which which might not be cryptic, he right. might just be wa- walking down memory lane, memory lane. But the timing of it is just a little peculiar. Yeah. And then yesterday, without any words, just has a photo of Fisher Island in Miami, and the. Panthers are going to be able to open up some salary cap space, and they're rumored to be a team that he 
would be willing to go to. He spends his off-seasons working out in Miami. So the Panthers might be a possibility. If you're just looking for a team that the Blues may move him to, they could be one. It would certainly be a team, because Laddie has the power with the no trade, that he would agree to a trade to. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, it was just a photo that he posted in the offseason. He hadn't tweeted since March 24th of 2021. Mm -hmm. And then the day of the draft, when all of this speculation and all of these little news nuggets are coming out about the interest surrounding Vladdy and if the Blues are going to move him, then he posts this photo. I just don't think it's a coincidence. And also, Randy, imagine being in his shoes and how fun that must be to be able to just post a photo, zero context, and know that just you hitting send on what could be a super benign tweet is going to get everyone talking and everyone wondering and trying to decipher this. And one other note we should point out is that the national people, if you haven't seen, are suggesting that the Blues are willing to move Tory Krug if team would be willing to take on the rest of his contract. Of course, he was hurt at the end of last year, but he is a power play quarterback and he's one of the best in the league at that so if you're the blues and for whatever reason you want to move vladdy and you can't but you do need to open up cap space perhaps tory krug is the direction you go to get that six and a half million dollars off of your books it's going to be an interesting couple weeks it really will and again free agency starts here in st louis at 11 o'clock next wednesday so we'll all be keeping an eye on twitter next wednesday morning that's michelle i'm randy coming up the cardinals open a series with the phillies tonight at the ballpark and st louis and matt veerling is going to be playing at bush stadium for the first time in his big league career and we're going to hear from matt next on 101 espn we're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Line ball, center field. Tag up, tag up, Alec. JT will score. Good throw to second. And a boy. Two sack flies today for Beerling. Welcome back. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carriker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Phillies outfielder Matt Veerling joins us. Matt and the Phillies in town tonight to take on the Cardinals in the opener of a three-game series. Matt, of course, a, a CBC grad and coming back home to take on the Cardinals at Bush. Matt, good morning. Thanks for taking some time with us. How's everything going? going great guys can't wait to get home glad you guys are having me on yeah, we're, we're thrilled to have you and uh, obviously as a st louis kid in a in a st louis cardinal town you grew up dreaming of playing at bush what's this going to be like for you yeah i mean it, it's uh pretty surreal um last year i went there i was on the taxi squad um so i really didn't get to experience like being in the dugout and getting a chance to play on the field but um, this time will be a little bit different. So I'm pretty excited about it. Grew up going to games and everything, so uh, it'll be pretty cool. Matt, how many ticket requests did you get? <laughs> um, I've a lot, a lot of family and friends. I, I don't even know a, n- a number, to be honest with you. I kind of let my mom take care of everything. <laughs> that's, that's a smart move. So you played on that championship CBC team. I want you to take us back to when you won that state championship. What's in Matt Veerling's mind's eye about winning the Missouri State Championship at CBC? Well, I mean, at that point, it's pretty much the pinnacle of, you know, pinnacle of your of your life as far as sports go. It's as high as you can go in high school, and it was my senior year, so it was it was pretty cool. We had a good team, and uh, and my brother was on the team too, so it was it was pretty cool. I played shortstop, and he played second, so. 
it made it even better. But uh, but yeah, it, it was really cool. We had worked really hard for it, and we and we won it. So it, it was a pretty exciting time. And then after CBC, you've committed to Notre Dame, and the Cardinals draft you in the 30th round. The 30th round is a lot different than the fifth, where you got drafted by Philly. What prevented you <laughs> from signing with the Cardinals? Just going to Notre Dame. Kind of, I, I kind of had a number out there as, as far as uh, signing bonus-wise, and if a team met it, then I would really consider going to play. Um, no team did meet that, so uh, the Cardinals drafted me in the 30th round. Uh, but I was, I pretty much had my my heart dead set on on Notre Dame. But I was really grateful for them drafting me, and um, it was one of the coolest moments of my life, kind of at that ta- at that time. Um, being from St. Louis and you know going to CBC and everything, getting, and then getting drafted by them. But uh, but yeah, I, I had my heart set on Notre Dame. Matt, what was it about Notre Dame that made you want to go there so badly? I, it, it's just kind of everything. I, honestly, I think it was the football games um, first and foremost. I went up there with my dad and went to a Michigan State football game, um, and they they beat them. And the experience was great. It was snowing. The people were awesome. The team was awesome. So um, it, it, I think that had a huge part in it. And then on top of that, um, just just the way the Notre Dame team was trending as far as like playing time and everything and. And then the academics and all that. So um, there, were, there were a bunch of things involved. It's a, it's a pretty cool place, and, and it's got a lot of good stuff. It really does. It's, it's very special there. Well, Matt, growing up in St. Louis, I'm sure that like most kids in St. Louis, you had a favorite Cardinal. Who was your guy when you were growing up? Yeah, so mine was uh, Pujols. Pujols was mine. So uh, you also grew up watching like Yachty and Wayne. So those guys are are pretty pretty awesome too, but I would say Pujols probably. Um, have you had any interactions with him? And if you haven't, what's that going to be like for you to share a field with him this weekend? Yeah, so so they came to town uh, this past week, and I got to uh, me and Sam Coonrod. Sam Coonrod's also with the Phillies and around the St. Louis area in the off seasons. He's from Southern Illinois. Uh, we got to get a picture with him and meet him, talk with him. So. That was super cool, and then he he got us both uh, autographed bats, which was like above and beyond. So um, that was one of the coolest things. So yeah, I, I got a chance to catch up with him and and meet him. It was pretty brief, but still, dream come true. And you know what's interesting about him is, uh, and, and I mentioned this on the air, Matt, when I covered him from 2001 to 2011, he was just so dedicated to greatness. He he wasn't really accessible to the media, and I think other players as much, but it, it's really cool now seeing him smile all the time and interact with other major league players and do what he did for you guys. Yeah, no, and, and I had heard that too, that maybe earlier in his career he wasn't um, – as open to doing stuff like that, but this year with everything, he's he's been uh, kind of really enjoying it and doing stuff like that for guys. So um, really grateful for the time that he gave us, and I mean, I'll always remember that moment. So it's pretty cool. So when you got the autograph bat, did you call home and say, "Guess what just happened"? <laughs> I I texted all my friends and family, so they were. I think they were 
just as excited as me. That's awesome. You're so fired up. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That is so cool. Unbelievable. Well, Matt, we want to talk a little baseball with you. You play almost every single position. You've had almost you've had defensive innings at almost every single position this season. We were talking about Brendan Donovan and all the gloves that he has, and we wanted to ask you the same question. How many gloves do you have with you? So every game I pro- I bring out four. First base glove, middle infielder glove, a third base glove, and then my outfield glove. So so I bring out four. Um yeah, and I'm, I got some other ones I'm kind of breaking in, but those are those are the four right now. Wow, that's so impressive. Is there one specific position that you prefer above the rest? I know that you have that versatility and you can slot into many different roles, but is there one that you prefer? Yeah, so I, I would say like center field would probably be the position I feel most comfortable at. Really, any of the outfield positions I, I feel really comfortable at. I kind of been doing that since high school and um the infield thing has kind of just happened um, recently and kind of over the years has happened like kind of randomly. So I'm still getting comfortable there, but I would say I would say any of the outfield positions. And Matt, you did play shortstop at CBC, right? So is it kind of like riding a bike or is there, do you have to re-familiarize yourself <laughs> with playing that position? Yeah, so I, I played center field most of high school and then okay. my senior year I played shortstop. Um, so I would say more like riding a bike, just kind of get used to it again. And I I grew up also like when I was younger playing shortstop, just like a lot of kids. So, um, just gotta get back on it and, and, and get some reps and stuff like that. It's definitely a little different playing it at the major league level. Um, but yeah, still getting comfortable and, and getting some reps. And your bat is playing, and you're in the lineup pretty much every day for Philly. But I wanted to ask of those gloves that you're breaking in, is one of them a catcher's mitt? <laughs> Not yet. I don't think, I don't think they're going to let me do that just yet. <laughs> It'd be fun yeah, if they that did, would be, That would really be it. <laughs> That's versatile. Yeah, yeah no yeah. doubt. Well, well, Matt, as a young guy on the team, has there been anyone that's been a specific mentor to you so far in your major league career? Um, I would say... No one specifically, but I would, I mean, the, the older group that we have here has been so great with, with Harper and, and Schwarber and Castellanos and JT and Reese. I mean, and Dee, they, they're really good and they, they really take in the young guys and, and I wouldn't say one person has specifically took me under their wing, but, um, it's kind of like a group, a, a leading by a group. And, uh, it's pretty cool to be around those guys on a day-to-day basis and, see how they go about their business and, and yeah, just kind of watching them. So, but no one specifically, but, um, kind of the whole group of veterans. So we watched Castellanos with the Reds last year and we got the sense that he was really, really competitive and, and, and pretty intense, at least against the Cardinals. How is he in the clubhouse? Is he that way with you guys in your clubhouse and, and dugout? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think anyone at this level has a certain type of competitiveness about him that, that's a little different than the normal person. But, um, no, in the clubhouse, I would say he's 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 a chill, he's really chill and easy to talk to, uh, easy to talk to guy. But a lot of guys, when it, when it comes to game time, they kind of flip a switch. So, um, but in the locker room, yeah, Nick's super chill and relaxed and, and pretty funny. So, um, but yeah, when the game turns on, a lot of guys, including him, kind of turn on that 
that switch where it's they're they're laser focused. Matt Veerling, Phillies outfielder, St. Louis with us on 101 ESPN. Matt, I wanted to ask you about Bryce Harper, and obviously he's hurt right now, but you come up and you see a guy, and we see him play hard, and I always read and hear about what a hard worker he is. When Michelle talks about a mentor, that seems to me to be a guy that if you just watch and learn through osmosis, you're really going to benefit from. Yeah, 100%. And and that's what I was saying earlier as far as watching watching those older guys and kind of how they go about their business, so... Um, the really big thing for me as a young guy watching them and, and they're, they're kind of leading by example. You kind of just see how they go about their business and try to tailor your own game to, to do that because they've had so much success. Um, and so, yeah, he's, he is a really hard worker and he goes about his business the right way. So it's really cool to see and, and to try to work on for myself. Well, Matt, I had to ask you about this soundbite that I caught wind of. So a friend of the show, Danny Wexelman, who's on MLB Network Radio, she's also a native St. Louisan, and you were on with her and Jim Duquette, and she asked you about emos, and you said that you actually prefer emos over Philly cheesesteaks. Now, we, of course, in this room agree with you, but we know how Phillies fans can be, so did you catch any heat from that? Uh, Not a ton, actually. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of you kind of go with your roots there i <laughs> emos over cheesesteak yeah that i think that's uh i'm still there but yeah i, I didn't catch too much slack from from philly fans <laughs> well good i'm glad and then i also saw in that same conversation you mentioned how much you love ranch that you need a side of ranch with everything which i totally agree with as well and i wanted to ask you being on the east coast is that a midwest thing because i sometimes when i'm in new york city will ask for a side of ranch and people look at me like i have three heads so i'm wondering if it's easy for you to get a side of ranch when you're in philly um you know what i haven't gone out and gotten pizza a ton but i do think it's kind of a midwest thing put ranch on your pizza and kind of put ranch on everything so um yeah i haven't gotten too many looks because i haven't been out a ton but if i i'm sure i would you know what though matt stay strong we got your yeah, back yeah and we we totally get and appreciate the the emo's loyalty hey i want to ask you about your ball club as the phillies come into town tonight 22 and 10 since the start of june what's the difference you guys got off to a pretty rough start what's the difference now uh, I, I think it's a, a bunch of different things, but um, I think it just takes a little bit of time with a new group to to kind of get together and, and start playing as a unit. Um, I also think we've had some injuries, and I think we've responded really well to those. Um, we've kind of carried on, and and uh, so I think it's brought us closer together. Um, and we kind of just got rolling. So as far as, like, you know, getting when I got called back up, um, we were on a little bit of a winning streak, and, and those things tend to create good vibes and everything like that. So I think once we got on that winning streak, we started, you know, having better timely hitting. The bullpen's been phenomenal. Um, pitching, starting pitching's been really good. Um, so just kind of rolling, and and once you start winning, it can kind of be contagious. So I think once we started clicking as a team, um, it's gotten better. And um, yeah, with those injuries too, we kind of come closer and responded to them well. So. It's a long year, but I really like where this team's going. All right, last thing. As you come back to St. Louis, you had to go down to spring training in Florida, and then you come come to Philadelphia, and you haven't been here. So what's the one thing Matt Veerling has to have in St. Louis when he's in town for a weekend? <laughs> it's probably going to be an Emo's pizza when I get back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is the square beyond yeah. compare. 
Yeah, yeah. So, great. That's probably going to be the first thing. Yeah. Well, we're excited for you. We're excited for your family that you're going to get that opportunity to play at Bush Stadium over the course of the weekend. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time with us. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you down at the ballpark this weekend. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. That is Matt Veerling from the Phillies here on 101 ESPN. Uh, text from the 636. Went to CBC with Matt in my graduating class. Only guy who's allowed to get a hit tonight. Hashtag brothers for life. And Matthew Rocchio is agreeing with that. The very next text from the 618 says, screw the Phillies. Oh, great. Okay. So we've got both ends of the spectrum there. <laughs> but he's a St. Louis guy. We love our St. Louis guys. Yeah, so I guess you could say screw the Phillies, but... This is a, a, a hit, pretty Matt. special Philly. Yeah, especially now that he's a friend of the show. That's right. This one from the 314 before we uh, get to a break. And we need a fighter. Text in 65780 if you'd like to participate in the fight coming up. Uh, FYI, uh, side of ranch goes all the way to the West Coast also. Yes. Went to South Dakota this summer, and every restaurant I went asked if you would like a side of ranch with that. Really? Yeah, so that's a good thing. They're asking. They're preemptively striking and asking if mm-hmm. you want a side of ranch. That's someplace? the type of establishment I need to frequent. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it goes all the way to the West Coast. You went really far north there and, and broke west. So I, think you, think like, you got, I think you got to go kind of far north and then start breaking west before you really get the ranch going. Milwaukee, the minute you know the, the Dakotas, mm-hmm. Montana. I, I bet you get some ranch dressing. I can't going imagine there. California. They're offering that's what you a I'm side saying. of ranch. Yeah, and even like, but they have to have it available too. Of you. course, but they're not going to. They're probably giving yeah. you like a gluten fr- or cal- cauliflower yeah. pizza, vegan cheese. They're not giving you a side of ranch. If we were going along seventy, the ranch is going to be there in Kansas. I think you're going to skip it a lot of. Colorado, just because they, you know, they got a little bit more crunchy. A I think ranches ran- in Denver. I think the ranch is Colorado. back. In, I think the ranch is back in Utah, and then again, it drives back up in you in oh. California. Uh, Denver peeps, check in six five seven eight zero. Is ranch like something that's offered as a side when you order your wings? Listen, in Denver, in of course. That's like the home of the ranch, isn't it? Well, also, I think the people there might be. When they got the munchies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I was yeah. going. They want some ranch in Colorado. Like the, Let the, me tell the you. The vegan yeah. crowd has, has kind of now, increased there. But I yeah. think that, uh, you know, when I go to New York, right, and I'm getting a slice, if I want a side of ranch, they look at me like I have three heads because they're more pizza purists, I think, right. out there. It's not that they're judging the fact that I like ranch. It's that they're thinking that the pizza is so good that it shouldn't be sullied with ranch. Whereas I think when you get West Coast, they're thinking, shouldn't you be eating kale or you know some yeah that's they, they some sort of organic oat milk or something i don't know yeah that's michelle that's matthew i'm randy coming up the fight on 101 espn we're right back to the character and smallman podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn welcome to the fight on character and smallman in the red corner average joe listener and in the blue corner the undisputed king of morning drive please welcome randy character it's time for the fight the friday edition of the fight on character and smallman here on 101 espn before we welcome and randy challenger today um, Rocchio, has Randy won every single day this week? Yes, he has. So he's going for the sweep. He's going for the sweep again. I mean, God, he, the amount of times he's gotten sweeps. I mean, there was the for my first three months here, he lost once. Wow. He's ridiculous. Or twice, twice in my first three months. It was ridiculous. I, I've, I've made it a little bit harder on him, I think, uh, to his great chagrin a couple times. But still, even when I make it more difficult, he, he just beats him up like four to three. It's Or like two to one. It's just every time. Every he's time. the GOAT. He really is. Let's see if our challenger, Dan, can take him down. 
give Randy a little dose of reality on a Friday. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Are you ready to take on Randy? Let's stop the sleep from happening. Let's do it, Dan. Love your confidence. Here we go. Good luck to you. Question number one. Before last night, who was the last Blues first rounder that was born in the United States? Was that Jordan Jordan Smaltz, Jake Neighbors, or Tage Thompson? Let's go Tage Thompson. Who is is the only father-son combo to win the Major League All-Star Game MVP? Is that Barry and Bobby Bonds, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. and Jr., or Ken Griffey Sr. and Jr.? I think Bobby Bonds did win it, so I'm going to say the Bonds. Dan, what did the Rams receive from the Chiefs in exchange for Trent Green in 2001? Was it Eddie Kennison, a second and third rounders, or a second rounder and a third rounder, or a first rounder? Boy. Mm, Eddie Kennison. And what future NFL Hall of Fame linebacker was a teammate of Nick Saban and Gary Pinkle while at Kent State? Was that Jack Ham, Dick Buckus, or Jack Lambert? Jack Ham. Checking the score. We have confirmed it. We've waved in Randy. Dan, where's your confidence at? Uh, about a three on a scale of a thousand. Oh, three of a thousand. <laughs> I thought you were going to say three of ten, Dan. Not three of a thousand. Uh, yeah. I was hoping for some baseball questions uh, other than all-star questions, but let's hope for the best plan for the worst. You never really know what you're going to get. This fight is like a box of chocolates, that's for sure. <laughs> Randy, say good morning to Dan. Dan, good morning. How are you doing? Lord Randall, doing well. Good. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Thanks for checking in with us on Late Notice. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure. You ready to go, sir? Yes. Question number one for Megamind. Before last night, who was the last Blues first-round pick born in the United States? Born in the USA. (laughs) I listened to that over the weekend. Did you? Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Uh, Let's go back. Let's see. Born in the United States. I think I am going to go with Tage Thompson. Who is the only father-son combo to win Major League Baseball All-Star Game MVP? Hmm. Father-son combo. Well, it's. I don't think I need a lifeline here because I think it's pretty obvious who we're going to look at. So we're going to look at the Bonses. We're going to look at the... And I know Barry won one. I don't know about Bobby. We're going to look at the Griffies. And I don't think Ken Griffey Sr. won an All-Star Game MVP. Um, I'll just, eh, do I play? I'll do the lifeline here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Barry or Bobby Bonds, mm-hmm. Vlad Guerrero Sr. or Jr., Ken Griffey Sr. or Jr. I'll go with the Guerreros. Randy, what did the Rams receive from the Chiefs in exchange for Trent Green in 2001? I believe they received the sixth pick in the draft that wound up being Damian Lewis. Who wound up being kind of a bust from Miami. Defensive tackle. First round draft choice. What future NFL Hall of Fame linebacker was a teammate of Nick Saban and Gary Pinkle at Kent State? That would have been Jack Lambert. Steelers. Steel Curtain. Pretty good. Pretty good player. Hall of Famer. So, Randy, you were getting your headset on, but after Dan completed the fight, I asked him where his confidence was at, and he said three out of a thousand. Mm-hmm. 
How about you? <laughs> three, hundred, three out of a thousand. Three out of a thousand, yeah. My confidence that I got three out of four is uh, five out of ten. That you got three out of four? Yeah. Five of ten. Fifty percent. I'll go sixty. Six out of ten. Okay. I'm pretty sure about Jack Lambert. I'm pretty, I know about the sixth pick in the draft with Damian Lewis. And what was the first question again? I have short-term memory problems. Last Blues first rounder born in the USA. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll go 60% that I got three out of four. So a little bit more confidence than Dan. I guess so, yeah. Is it false confidence? Or is Randy on the mark? Rocky will ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. Now, who can argue with that? It's a sweep for Randy this week. It's a sweep. I'm sorry, Dan. Randy beat you three to one. I have a request, if I could. A request? Yes. Go for it. The floor is yours, Dan. Randy... Would Randy ever be interested in a rematch in a Lou Brock themed trivia contest? A what kind of trivia contest? Lou Brock themed. Oh uh, yeah, sure. All Probably right. not today. Well, not today, but I'll send in a reminder and uh, give you guys advance. Or you've got my number. You want to text me back? Okay. Uh, that would be my hope and dream to to challenge you. I know he was a hero of yours, and he's a hero of mine. So All right. that would be a, a shot I'd like to take. Okay, yeah. Lou Brock was one of my all-time favorites. Well, thanks, Dan. Have a great weekend. You guys are great. Have a great weekend yourself. Thank you. Take care. You know, that is a a nice request from Dan, but then you can just study Lou Brock. Part of the the difficulty of this is that you don't know what's coming. Yeah. It's true. Good point. You can just look at all of Lou Brock's stats and read up on him. I could have looked at the 2001 NFL draft. I challenge you. I, that's that. Yeah, now, I challenge now, you on one hyper specific topic that I already know a lot you're about. You're challenging me, Michelle, to find the most inane, <laughs> yeah, ridiculous Luke Brock stats I could possibly find, and Randy knows I'm good at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's run through the answers, shall we, gentlemen? Yes. Before last night, the last Blues first round pick born in the USA was Tage Thompson. How about that? Do we know where Tager was born? Ooh. I don't. I know his dad played in the NHL. But he I, was born in Phoenix, Arizona. Shout out to the state of Arizona. The only father-son combo to win the Major League Baseball All-Star Game MVP, both of them, was Ken Griffey Sr. and Jr. Oh, how about that? Yeah, you guys danced all around this one. Vladimir Guerrero Sr. never won it, and Barry Bonds never won it. His dad did. Oh, how about that? I thought Barry won the year that he picked up Torrey Hunter in center field in 94. Hmm, guess not. I wonder who did win that last We're gonna year. We're going to find out. I think 1994 was Fred McGriff. Crime dog. Oh, McGriff. The Rams received a first-round draft pick from the Chiefs in exchange for Trent Green in 2001. You knew that one, mm-hmm. Randy, obviously. And the future NFL Hall of Fame linebacker that was a teammate of Nick Saban's and Gary Pinkle's while at Kent State was, in fact, Jack Lambert. It's a sweep for you, Randy. A sweep this week. Go ahead. Stunt on him. It's back-to-back sweeps. That is so shady. That is one of the most shady moments in sports history. The good effort. Good job. Good effort. (laughs) Good effort. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Oh, it's too hot. It's so damn hot. (laughs) 
Milk was a bad choice. If you want to throw down in fisticuffs, fine. I've got Jack Johnson and Tom O'Leary waiting for you right here. Okay, that's enough. Jack Johnson, Tom O'Leary, and Brendan Donovan. <laughs> Brendan Donovan. Brendan Donovan. Come on, kid. Park the car. Brendan Donovan. I don't know why we started doing that after the show yesterday, but it became a thing. Okay, if you're going to have... How not be from Boston? Donnie. <laughs> Donnie. Donnie baseball. <laughs> okay, if you're going to have two... Cardinals that were going to be your your left and right fist that you were going to name. What who would they be? Clearly, Brendan Donovan would be one. Would he be the left or the right? I got Brendan Donovan and no, my right hand. Packy Norton. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Packy Norton packs a punch. Yeah, so, I was thinking them. Brendan Donovan and Jack Flaherty. Oh, there you go. The I mean, the Irish bad yeah, boys. But Packy Norton. That's Boston. I mean, and that's yeah. he that packs a punch. So yesterday, Packy Norton. If you're in a fight at Patty's, you want Packy. You want Packy there. Yeah. Yesterday we were talking about names in baseball that sound like somebody you would know at your local watering hole mm-hmm. at a at a dive bar, and we said Brendan Donovan certainly would be a guy that sits at the bar, right? And then we said Packy Norton sounds like a guy who runs an illegal gambling ring. Like, let's get the vig from Packy. <laughs> and. It's just the perfect name. Now he doesn't look like that guy. No, no. He isn't that guy. It's just the name. Just the perfect name for that. And that's a Boston. It's a Boston thing. It's like a, a Southie th- thing. The the nickname Packy for Patrick is a big thing in Boston. We need to get Ben Affleck on the phone, and we need he and Matt Damon to write a new Boston centric movie about Brendan Donovan and his buddy Packy Norton. I think that's a great idea. And oh. the Blues have traded the rights to Ville Husso. Uh, Here we go. The Blues acquire 73rd overall pick from Detroit in exchange for goaltender Ville Husso. And now, until free agency starts next week, the Wings will have exclusive negotiating rights with Ville Husso, and the Blues get a pretty good pick for the rights. And my guess would be, Michelle, if the... ESPN breaking news alert. There we go. If the Blues... Just slightly delayed. Yeah. If if the Red Wings are going to make this deal, my guess is that they already have a deal with Ville Husso. I don't think you're going to give up the 73rd pick in the draft if you don't know you're going to sign the guy. No, I don't think so either. But uh, we kind of figured that Ville Husso was going to be expendable for the Blues after Jordan Biddington reasserted himself, and they have other guys that they feel confident in within the organization. And you got to make the financial puzzle work. So even though Ville Husso, great for the Blues this season, and it's sad to see him go, this felt inevitable. So we'll react to this coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 101 ESPN, breaking news alert. Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN, and the Blues have announced that they have traded the rights to Ville Husso to Detroit for the 73rd overall pick in the draft that will be resumed later tonight. Michelle, uh, you have a report that Husso has already agreed with the Red Wings on a new deal? Yes, Andy Strickland tweeting that Ville Husso has agreed to a multi-year extension with the Detroit Red Wings and that an announcement will be coming soon. And the Blues were not going to get anything for Ville Husso. So to get a third-round pick for him is obviously a great deal for the Blues. And it really doesn't even matter what that third-round pick winds up being. Now, if you look at history for the Blues, it's pretty good in the third round. Uh, 
Jake Wallman, who was traded to Detroit earlier this year in the trade for Nick Letty. He was a third-round pick of the Blues. Uh, Colton Pareko was a third-round pick of the Blues. Mackenzie McEachern, who has played, obviously, here in St. Louis, a third-round pick of the Blues. Uh, Jordan Binnington, a third-round pick of the Blues. So they've had some successful third-round choices. You don't know what this is going to wind up being. My point is, is that rather than nothing, you have something. Another great move by Army, by the way. Rather than mm-hmm. letting Husso walk and you get nothing, you are able to turn that into a pick. And even though Husso's had a great season for the Blues and there had been rumblings that the Blues might in some way want to try to retain him, we just knew that financially that probably wasn't no. going to be the case. So the fact that here was a guy that you knew who had high value that you weren't going to be able to retain and Army turns that into a draft pick um, where the Blues have had a lot of success and likely will bring in somebody that will hopefully help their organization in the future. It's just, he's a wizard. There's another deft yeah. move by Doug Armstrong. And Elliot Friedman reporting from Sportsnet that Huso is closing in on a three-year deal for 4.75 a year Wow, with the Red Wings. So good for him. Virtually $15 million for Ville Huso. That was a contract that the Blues obviously weren't going to be able to match because of the presence of the contract of Jordan Bennington. And the Blues have a little more weaponry tonight to try to enhance what they have in the system. The big thing the Blues need right now, because up front, they've got some age with Perron, and we presume he'll be back, and with uh, Ryan O'Reilly and uh, some of the other, uh, Raiden Shen Mm -hmm. is an older player. They're going to need to replenish their system. And they have two guys right now because Perunovic came up, Mikola has come up. They need to replenish defensively in their system. And they're also going to have to get some more forward help that they can project towards the the another uh, later round choice. A fourth rounder was Torpchenko. Yeah. So the Blues have been able to fill in pretty well with those uh, those mid round picks in terms of building their third and fourth lines. Is there any GM or front office executive, Randy, that you've covered that has a higher hit rate than Doug Armstrong or one that you trust as much as Doug Armstrong? No, he's he's ridiculous with how good he is. And we've talked about it before, and we only say so half-jokingly, but maybe we should be more serious about how other teams just shouldn't pick up the phone. I wouldn't. If I was an opposing team, I would not pick up the phone if Doug no. Armstrong was calling. No. He's like Liam Nielsen and Taken. He's going to take you for something. Mm-hmm. He's got a particular yeah. set of skills, and he is going to take something from you. Yeah. I hope this means they draft either Barbashev's or Kyrou's brother, because they're both literally projected right around that spot in the draft. I hope this means mm-hmm. they draft one of their brothers. That'd be awesome. I love when that happens. I just hope they get a good player Me out too. of it. Me too. Me too. And both again, it's another asset, and it's... Let's... Because Army always talks about having to piece together a puzzle. So you get a player now that you didn't expect to have in the third round, okay? Mm-hmm. And if you make a trade, trade one of your veterans and get assets back in return, that's a young player that you don't have to draft next year because you've already got him in your system. So if you want to make a move, Mm -hmm. then you can do so by moving assets for a player that you really love. It is so amazing how in... Any bucket that the Blues have, there's really zero depletion. They still have pieces from the championship uh, in 2019 and, and a strong veteran core and that veteran leadership that establishes the identity and the culture of the Blues. They have young players who have come up through the system, who have played, who have gotten some seasoning. They have strong players who are coming through the pipeline. They, they when they lose draft picks, find a way to replenish that. He's just constantly looking at every aspect and finding a way to make sure that it, this the sum continues to grow. It's really, really remarkable the way he's able to pull all of this off. And the Blues have gone for it and lost 
Bacchus and Petrangelo. They've they've gone for it in trying to win a Stanley Cup and allow those guys to become unrestricted free agents. A lot of teams, when they go for it, mm-hmm. don't maintain quality. Look at the San Jose Sharks. That's they traded example. for Evander Kane. They traded for Eric Carlson, and they've fallen off the map. Look how bad the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be next year. Now, granted, they got three cups out of it. It was all worth it. Absolutely. But going for it ultimately cost them because they didn't draft well in the second half of the first round. And the Blues have continued to draft well, and now they've got a young nucleus that they can add to because they have the assets to do so. And you've got Kairou, Thomas, Buchnevich, Pareko, maybe Mikola winds up being a player for you. Uh, you've got a relatively young 30-year-old in his prime, Justin Falk. So the Blues have a nucleus to work forward with, like most of these other teams that won Stanley Cups don't have. That's right. And most teams would be waiting around to see what happens with a guy like Alex Petrangelo because mm-hmm. he's such an important piece of the puzzle, whereas Doug Armstrong brings in Justin Falk as a safety net just in case because he's already looking that much further down the road and then goes out and makes the move for Tory Krug when the Alex Petrangelo thing isn't going to happen. I just think that so many other organizations, to your point, Randy, they empty the tank in hopes of winning, and winning is so difficult. We've seen how good the Blues teams have been over the past couple of years after they've won the cup and whether it's injury or attrition or a global pandemic there's all of these circumstances that are outside of your control that can stop a team from winning so you can do everything right from a front office standpoint go out put the right pieces in place for you to win and that window it's really hard to keep it open but Doug Armstrong continuously finds another way to prop it open and Doug Armstrong and Bill DeWitt I'm sure have the same philosophy and I'll repeat what Bill DeWitt used to say to Tony who wanted to win every single night he would go into the office and say I know you're really upset about losing tonight. And Tony would say, yeah, yeah, I am. And he would be really mad. And Bill would say, well, I am too. I wanted to win tonight. But I not only am looking at tonight, but I'm looking three, four, five years down the road. And that's the exact same philosophy that Doug Armstrong appears to take. Well, he's got a good team right now, and he wants to win right now. He's also building for three, four, five years down the road. And that's the best approach to take. That, and that could be your approach, by the way. And executing it is a, an entirely different Especially thing. Especially <laughs> if you don't have top 10 picks in the draft. Yeah. No doubt about it. I just am, am constantly amazed by him. And this is an, another move, getting something for Ville Husa when you didn't think that you were going to be able to. Well done, Army. So again, if you're just tuning in, the Blues have traded the rights to Ville Husso to Detroit for the 73rd pick in the draft, which will be an early third rounder tonight. And Husso, uh, reportedly, according to Elliot Freeman, closing in on a three-year deal worth 4.75 a year with the Red Wings. So there you have have that. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, a win for the Cardinals last night. They avoid the Braves sweep. We'll touch on how the pitching did last night next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals with a 3-2 win in Atlanta. It took 11 innings last night. And, Michelle, we talked a lot about Dylan Carlson and the great game that he had off the bench and the fact that the Cardinals with, uh, I I will call it a compromised lineup last night. It wasn't the lineup that I'm sure that Ali Marmol would have liked to have trotted out there on July 7th. But the Cardinals got a scoreless four innings out of Libertor. He threw only 74 pitches. Jordan Hicks came on with a scoreless pair of innings. Gallegos allowed the home run in his inning of work. And then Junior Fernandez and Helsley both pitched well, although Helsley did allow a run. But the way the bullpen has been performing has been really good. And 
that's too many outs for the bullpen to get. Libertor only going four. Yeah. He needs to go five or six, but at least he gave them scoreless innings and gave his team a chance to win. But the one good part of that road trip was the way the bullpen performed. Absolutely. The bullpen has been really strong, and they needed to be. Uh, you just wish that the outcome would have been different in a lot of these games for what the bullpen was giving you, but that's another thing that I'm hoping that John Mozalak is looking at when he's making calls and, and seeing what's out there in the baseball landscape as he tries to get some starting pitching help as guys that can eat some innings, because you got to be worried about the attrition of the bullpen uh, in the second half when they've been giving you the innings that they have, but Randy, in the game last night, when Spencer Strider has a career-high 12 strikeouts in six innings, you don't think the Cardinals are going to win that game based on the performance that he had and based on what we've seen out of them during this road trip, right? No, I didn't, especially when he struck out nine. His first (laughs) nine outs were all strikeouts. No, I didn't think the Cardinals... In fact, I was texting Dan about when... Kerry Wood is a rookie in 98, struck out 20. I thought that's where this was headed. I thought he was going to set the all-time strikeout record in a game. I I wouldn't have been surprised early on in that game if that's what happened. So the fact that the Cardinals and extras were able to pull out this win and leave what was a disappointing road trip on a little bit of a higher note as they come back to Bush Stadium was a positive. And I know that people hate to give John Mosellock credit because they just don't like the guy. But, Michelle, this year... In 12 games as a relief pitcher, Packy Naughton has an 0.68 earned run average. He's gone 13 and a third innings, and he has allowed exactly one earned run. He struck out a dozen and walked four. That's a waiver claim from the Angels. And Packy Naughton, I actually felt good last night when Packy Naughton comes in to pitch to the bottom of the 11th, and he rewarded that confidence with a 1-2-3 inning. He has not been good as a starter. He's got an earned run average of 10.29 in three starts. But in the bullpen, Packy Naughton has been fantastic. Do you think that there's anyone in town that's had more success that is more disliked than John Mozella? No, not even close. Not even close. And that's because people, well, there's two parts of it here. People, A, don't like him personally. But B, they base everything on the, their only level of success is winning the World Series. Like there's 30 World Series winners every year. They don't realize that it's difficult. And I get it because the Cardinals have made it look easy for a long time. But it's not easy to win a World Series. It's not easy to get to the playoffs. Most teams don't get to the playoffs all the time like the Cardinals do. And it's so funny because I feel like a lot of Cardinals fans will point to the Dodgers and say, well, they feel like they're a World Series contender every year. They're they're really going for it every Mm -hmm. year. Well, they've won one World Series during that span, and it was in 2020 in a— truncated season because of the pandemic. What would have happened if it was the full baseball season? A lot of things happened during mm-hmm. that stretch. So you're pointing to a team that's only won one championship in a very severe set of circumstances. And the Dodgers have done a magnificent job of international scouting, of drafting, and they admit, they said, we may have a budget, but we haven't reached that point where we can see what it is yet. <laughs> They they don't know what their payroll budget is. They how many teams can have a struggling second baseman like they had last year and lose a starting pitcher like Bauer and go out and make a trade for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner? How many teams can go out and do that? There's one. They're the, they're the team that can do it. They can afford to give up two prospects like they gave up in the catcher Ruiz and the pitcher uh, Gray and get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. They're the team. 
And nobody else can do that because nobody else has that wealth to be both financially and in terms of talent to go out and make a trade like that. I also think it works against John Mozeliak that he has Doug Armstrong down Market Street. Yeah, it does. Because Doug Armstrong makes the impossible possible all the time, and he does it in a market like mm-hmm. St. Louis. And I think that people are always going to compare those two, even though it's a different sport, different set of circumstances. When you're in the same market and you have somebody that's doing what Doug Armstrong is, they just assume that John Mozeliak's going to be able to do the same thing, even though all of the circumstances are different. And he He's had so much success. Well, Doug Armstrong is able to take advantage of a salary cap because he's able to go out and trade a Sammy Blay and a second-round pick for Buchnevich because the Rangers didn't think that under the salary cap they could afford to keep Buchnevich. It happens a lot with Doug Armstrong. He's able to take advantage of weaknesses. And because there's no salary cap and everybody is... He's, everybody's got the same price on every player in Major League Baseball. Because of analytics, it's more difficult to make those trades. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker, and we go now to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And friend of the show, Xavier Scruggs, is kind enough to join us. And Xavier's a busy guy these days, so we really appreciate you taking some time. How you doing, sir? Hey, Michelle, Randy. Appreciate you guys having me. Always fun to jump on with you guys. All right, so uh, what's the most fun thing? And I think you work 23 hours a day. What's the most fun thing you're doing right now? Oh, man, the most fun thing? That, that's talking to you guys right now. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I get to talk about Cardinals baseball, that's that's at the height of everything that I do. It, it, it's I got to see the Cardinals when they came to play the Mets a few weeks back, maybe more than a month now, but – um, anytime that I'm around anything that has to do with Cardinals, just because of how passionate everybody is, the fan base, and I just put out a TikTok recently too, talking about the Cardinals fan base. Like it doesn't get any better than that, and I don't think people quite understand that. And I always try to stress it. I try to talk about it because um, people don't have a real glimpse of, of what it is like to talk Cardinals baseball and to be passionate about it. We got a text earlier, Xavier, from somebody who suggested that. If John Mozeliak doesn't make a move at the deadline, that Nolan Arenado might wish to opt out. Can you explain from a player's perspective why players like Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado and Adam Wainwright want to be in St. Louis? Oh man, it's 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 really indescribable just because of you know the culture that's built around the team, and I think it has a lot to do with the types of people that they bring in. When you when you go out and invest money in players that are not only superstars but are are really good human beings and and really fun to be around, you start to cultivate a different culture. And that's the same that goes for Albert Pujols, bringing a guy back like Albert Pujols. They didn't have to bring Albert Pujols back, but they understand what he's going to bring as far as value off the field. And I think that's important to remember. Guys like Yadier Molina, same thing. Um, it, it helps the younger players. Think about Awan Yepes. Think about Brendan Donovan. Think about um, O'Neal and, 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 uh, and, and Dylan Carlson. All those guys, Bader, that helps everybody become more of a team and understand what it's like to be a professional. It doesn't get any better than that. And then when you talk about the fan base, it's unreal. Like when these, when the fans are there and they're not on the phones, they're locked into the game. They see what's going on pitch by pitch out by out. And they appreciate even when the other team does something well, it's a, it's a whole different ball game. That's why they call it what they call baseball heaven. Mm -hmm. It's really heaven there in St. Louis. Do players feel like every year they have a chance when they're on the Cardinals? 
Absolutely. And the the stats and the numbers speak for themselves. Like there always seems to be a way that they put together a quality team. And and it's usually dictated by the foundation of pitching and defense. And when you have pitching and defense, those things always give you an opportunity to stay in the game. Then it's a, then it becomes an offensive thing. And that's one thing I've seen this year. And we talked about it earlier, like the offense was going to be key. And that's one thing that that's one area where they've taken a massive step forward. Now you're just hoping that, and you spoke about Mose, like hopefully they can maybe add a piece or two here from the pitching standpoint that will help them kind of get to the next level. We know that they'll probably be in the playoffs, but now it's about taking that next step and and trying to get that next world championship. Xavier, you're right. It's uh, one glaring hole that the Cardinals need to address is starting pitching help. Is there anybody out there that you think might be a good fit for them? I, I do. I think there's guys out there. Uh, the, the one issue that I have is, are the Cardinals going to go and give up the type of prospects for a, a Frankie Montas? Obviously, Montas is, is dealing with a little bit of stuff right now as far as injury, but he should be should be back after a quarter zone shot. Are they willing to give up that the prospects for that? We we haven't normally seen that in the past, at, at least halfway through the season. The same thing for another guy like a Luis Castillo. Um, with the Reds. Now, the Reds situation is, is different because you're talking about an inter, interdivision rival. So th- a lot of times you don't get trades in that sense. But those are two guys that I kind of see um, being s- some headline guys that can help impact this rotation with swing and miss stuff. And that's one thing that the Cardinals are missing because they don't have that swing and miss starter um, besides the Adam Wainwright, right? You look at Miles Michaelis, he's more of the guy that's going to get the weak contact. So not having a Jack Flaherty right now really hurts not having the swing and miss stuff. One name that I like is Martin Perez. Um, He's having a career year with the Rangers. Um, He's not going to bring the dominant swing and miss stuff, but he's been one of the most consistent pitchers in our league this year. I could see them circling in on someone like him. Xavier, you're right. The Cardinals historically probably don't want to give up those those assets and the young prospects unless they think the team is good enough and that it's going to pay dividends. Do you think this Cardinals team is good enough for John Mozeliak to maybe part with some of those assets and really go for it? They are, Michelle. This is this is the year. If there was a year to me, this is this is the year. Just because you've seen the offense click in a whole another way, it's almost been one of those more historical offenses that we haven't seen in a while from the Cardinals. And then I look at from a bullpen and pitching standpoint, it's just that one or two pieces that can put them not over the playoff hump, that can get them to the World Series. I, I really do think that this team is capable of doing that. And I've, and I've covered most of the uh, other teams in all, in all of Major League Baseball this year. I've seen what everybody has. The Cardinals are right up there with everybody else. I don't care how weak this division may be, quote-unquote, what everybody says. When the Cardinals go up against some top teams, I've seen them go toe-to-toe with them, and I think it's just a, a little bit more pitch and you put yourself over that hump. Xavier, we just got done with the Braves, and even though they don't have Freddie Freeman anymore, they have Matt Olson. The Braves look as good as they ever did last year. Yes, they they really do. Um, This is a team that, when you talk about all aspects of the game, right, being dominant, uh, and they got off to a slower start. Maybe it was that, that World Series hangover that they talk about, but this team has now hit that stride. And, and if you're the Mets, you're looking back and you're like, man, 
this is a tough team. And, and one of the reasons being, we saw it last night, Spencer Strider. With that dude is absolutely ridiculous. And they're throwing 98-99 with ease, 12 punches. Like they have guys that have stepped up. Michael Harris Jr., Michael Harris II, out there in center field. He'll be in contention for Rookie of the Year with those the numbers that he has. And then you see the offense, obviously, Ronald Acuna Jr. coming back and other guys stepping up. Olsen, he hasn't quite had that, that MVP caliber, that MVP conversation type year yet. But he's he's on his way. So they have somebody in every single position that you can say, man, this guy is one of the best in the league. That's why they have like six guys that were in contention for starting jobs at the all star at the all star game. And it's a, a tough team. So it's good for the Cardinals to kind of see that test um, midseason and, and face it right and face it right up to them. Xavier, speaking of ridiculous, let's talk about the Yankees. 60 and 23 right now. Aaron Judge leading the team in almost every offensive category. He's at 30 home runs right now. And during the break, Randy and I were talking about it. Do you think he gets to 60 before the year's done? Oh, man. I, it's tough because I, um, I'm good friends with Aaron Judge. I, I, don't, I don't think he gets to 60. I, I, I think he gets just because toward the end of the year, I don't know if it's going to be a situation where he gets a little bit more rest. Um, team starts to steam, team start pitching around him more. Um, you know, I, I definitely see 55 being around there, but getting to 60 is going to be extremely tough. He's got to keep the same pace that he's had at the beginning of the season. You remember, you guys know it's 162 games. You get nicked up. There's, uh, there's issues sometimes that are underlying that people don't know about and it affects the way that you play towards the end of the season. And that could be end, end up being the case, but I, I just don't see him keeping the same pace this whole year. But he's been absolutely uh, amazing to watch, and, and it's cool to see the power on display, especially somebody that went ahead and bet on himself not taking that contract. That's pretty hard to turn down two hundred and I think seventeen million dollars from the Yankees and, and say, "Hey, I'm better than that. Uh, let's talk later on." Xavier, Sandy Alcantara's career in the Cardinal organization was starting just as your career in the Cardinal organization was coming to a close. Two-parter here. Did you ever cross paths? Did you ever see him throw? And what do you think of him now? I I heard about the dude, but I never got to see him throw. I never saw this. I heard the name, heard people talk about how exciting he was as a a pitcher, um, the type of stuff that he had. But I had never come across him. And then just seeing what he's doing now is like I had a chance to talk to him um, with MLB Network. And one of the things that he said that kind of stuck out to me is he said, it doesn't matter how many pitches I need to throw. If I need to throw 150, 160, 180, I will do it to get the W. And we saw it last week when when Mattingly came out to talk to him. He was in the ninth inning. Um, tough situation. I think runners on first and second, uh, and he ends up closing it out. But I, but I look at it's a situation where this guy does not seem to get tired. He seems to continue to get stronger throughout the game. And we know from watching this game, those are the best pitchers that continue to go through the game and seem like they start throwing harder. Stuff starts getting nastier. That's what we're seeing with Sandy Alcantara. Okay, I got to ask you, Xavier. Last night you had Derek Jeter on the MLB Instagram. You were talking to him. You're a major league player. You've been around big league players. You you were in the Cardinal clubhouse with a lot of stars. But how cool is it for Xavier Scruggs, baseball player slash big time fan, to interview Derek Jeter? 
Yeah, guys, I'm still I'm still pinching myself. I, I, I don't I don't even know how that came about. I don't even know why I was chosen. I just feel so honored um, to have that opportunity. It, I was I'm, I'm still in awe this morning. I, like I, I look back and I'm like, I just talked to Derek Jeter for about 15 minutes on Instagram. Uh, we're talking social media. Like first of all, Derek Jeter has just got on social media like a, a few weeks ago. And I'm already talking to him on IG Live. Like, it was just nuts. Um, it was a great opportunity for people to kind of get a little bit more of that behind the scenes. Derek, obviously, he's got a, a big documentary with ESPN Films coming out called The Captain. So uh, I'm excited for it. But, I mean, it, it was just unreal. I'm still just shocked right now. That's awesome. Every day on MLB Network, we see you on ESPN, we see you on MLB's Instagram. Like I said, you're working 23 hours a day, and your work is absolutely <laughs> fabulous. We're, we're so happy for you, and I, I know, and Michelle does too, how much you love the game and how much you love talking about it, so you couldn't be in a better place. Thanks, guys, so much. You guys are, are killing it. I enjoy listening to you guys. You guys, for me, when I'm looking at Cardinal stuff, you guys are helping me out. So I'm, I'm, I'm juiced to be able to check you guys out and see what you guys are putting out there as well because it helps me too. Love it. Thanks, Xavier. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. See you later. Xavier Scruggs on 101 ESPN. And what a great, knowledgeable, and tied-in baseball guy Xavier Scruggs is. And I know he said he was pinching himself Mm -hmm. interviewing Derek Jeter on Instagram Live, but he shouldn't be because he's done a great job taking over that social media space and, frankly, making baseball cool. He he does Mm -hmm. a really good job of of describing the game in a very palatable and consumable way and a fun way on social media. So I'm so glad to see him having so much success. And I I guess, Michelle... He he to me is legit. When when I ask Xavier Scruggs or Paul Goldschmidt or Adam Wainwright, do players feel like they have a chance when they're playing for the Cardinals? Invariably, the players always say yes. Fans don't have as much respect for what the Cardinals are doing as the Cardinals have for what they're doing. Nolan Arenado was texting Adam Wainwright videos of himself to text to John Moselock because mm-hmm. he wanted to get here so badly. Yeah. Think about that for a second. I mean, that's the way that Nolan Arenado, future Hall of Famer, was viewing the St. Louis yeah. Cardinals. That I, is a destination I need to get yeah. to. I guess it's all perception. It's all, it's because players think if I get to the postseason, I have a chance to get to the World Series. And I guess there are not everybody. I think we're throw, I'm unfairly throwing a blanket over too many people here, but there are people who believe that if you don't have literally an all-star at every position, that your team isn't very good. But isn't that what makes it great here, though? Is that the, the expectations passion. are that high? That's part of the reason that players want to yeah. come here is because they're going to a stadium that's going to be packed almost every night, and the people care. They mm-hmm. care on July eighth about the state of the team. I think it was our very first Wednesdays with Wayne over this year, where he even said he goes, "We might have lost that 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 little that air that this team mm-hmm. had, where, where players wanted to come here. We lost that for a couple of years, but he but he pointed out it's back, and guys like Arenado show that it's back. And so the, the fact that Wayne right, who's heck the self awareness of Adam Wainwright, something we've been talking about with Buster Olney and him this mm-hmm. week, to to know, listen, that did kind of go away, but it's back now. It kind of tells me that somebody in the moment can be aware of that. That it's a real thing that we we don't when we mention it, it's not flippant." or, you know, Homerish. It's it's a real thing that actually affects these kind of these conversations. And at the end of the day, my philosophy is for sports to entertain me. I don't think I would be entertained by the Pirates or the Reds or the Royals 
on a regular basis, like I am by the Cardinals on a regular basis. Michelle, Randy, Matthew, and you're killing me, Smalls, coming up next. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. And it is time for... Killing me, Smalls! Some Albert Pujols stuff that we didn't get to, Randy, today that I wanted to mention. So right now he needs one extra base hit to reach 1,377. He will tie Stan Musial for third place on the career list. And he talked last night how cool that is, what a dream it is to even be mentioned in the same sentence with somebody like Stan. But, you know, we're so focused on 700 that we're forgetting oftentimes about a lot of these other historical landmarks that Albert Pujols is checking off the list. He's pretty phenomenal, and we should appreciate this because he's going to be in the top five in pretty much every category and top three in a lot of categories, and we really do need to appreciate what we're watching the end of. It's pretty amazing. And it was cool last night. So Albert Pujols is the oldest active player. Michael Harris the second is the youngest active mm-hmm. player. Each registered an RBI in the game last night, and the last time that happened was 1975. And I believe that Albert made his Major League debut a month after Michael Harris II was born. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, I wanted to get your take on this. So some franchises have been honoring Albert Pujols and, and Yachty or Molina, even though Yachty's not with the team um, because it's their final season in baseball and mm-hmm. they deserve a farewell tour. So I wanted to get your take on what the Braves gave Albert last night. So 10 minutes before first pitch, he went out onto the field. He got a, a bushel of peaches. Georgia peaches. Georgia yeah. peaches, some peanuts, and a $1,000 check to his family foundation from the Braves Foundation. What did you think about the gift? I think that's cool. Things that are indigenous to Georgia, and I would guess that the Cardinal players partook of the peaches and peanuts before, during, and after the game. And then uh, check to the foundation. Albert has more money than he can ever spend, so I think adding to the coffers of the foundation is great. I think that's a a classy and thoughtful move on the part of the Braves. You're somebody who puts a lot of thought into gifts. What did you think? I thought it was pretty good. Now, I thought the peaches and the the peanuts, okay, fine, yes, indigenous to Georgia, delicious, great. But when you think about some of the things that Albert will be getting, he might display it somewhere, but at the end of the day, it's going to be one of a whole bunch of memorabilia and Mm -hmm. things that he actually has has and probably will not know how to display or what to do with. I wonder if if all that stuff just goes into a storage unit and he kind of cycles through it or how he'll display all of the things that he's accumulated throughout his career. But... Albert Pujols cares about baseball, he cares about his family, and he cares about his charitable endeavors. And so I thought that recognizing that that was something that was really important to him and pouring into that was a very classy move. Yeah, it's a fantastic move on the part of the Braves. Congratulations to them and to him. And by the way, his foundation does do amazing work uh, throughout the St. Louis area and in the Dominican as well. You're killing me, Smalls. So July 8th is a special day, Randy, and you might not remember why, but on July 8th, 2010, LeBron James told everyone the famous line, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. South Beach. That's right. 12 years ago today was a decision. Doesn't it feel like much longer than 12 years ago? Yeah, it does. But I can still see him with that blue and white checkered shirt, too, sitting up on the podium and Jim Gray taking forever to ask him where he's going to (laughs) go. It was just not the 
not the best move on the part of LeBron James and his team. That's one of those moments that is so imprinted in sports history and pop culture history. It's such a crossover. The decision, when you say mm-hmm. the decision, we're only thinking about that. And um, I just wonder if in that moment he really knew how powerful it would be and what the backlash was going to be. I guarantee he didn't think we'd be talking about it in negative terms 12 years later. <laughs> exactly. And that it would be so remembered. But it is... It, I wonder if it's less negative now because he went back to Cleveland and won and he needed to go to Miami to, as he said, it was almost like a college experience, learn mm-hmm. how to be a champion. Right. Yeah. Um, but gosh, to go on national television and dish your hometown like that is just brutal. Yeah, not, not <laughs> Can great. you imagine, Randy, you doing a decision and it's broadcast live and you're like, eh, forget St. Louis. Yeah. I'm out. No, it never happened. Never. You're killing me, Smalls! Bears wide receiver David Moore, he was arrested in his hometown Uh of Gainesville, Texas this week. He was arrested, Randy, on drug and weapons charges. So according to the Gainesville uh, Police Department, and of course TMZ Sports was the first to get it, they found Moore asleep in the driver's seat of a Ford F-250 at a local Taco Bell drive-thru around 11.18 p.m. They got in touch with him. They looked into the vehicle and found he was in possession of a T THC edible candy along with three pistols. Well, the three pistols are not good. This is only 11.18 at night? 11.18 p.m. on July 3rd. Okay, so the July 3rd kind of lends to the the wheel of misfortune, which if you've never heard of it, it's, it's a wheel that has five different slices and you've got uh, women, you've got fast cars, you've got guns, you've got drugs and alcohol, and you've got after midnight. Any three of those five is a bad situation. We should throw the Taco Bell drive through probably in there, too. Is it close enough? It was midnight somewhere, right? So is the 1118 guns, drugs, and alcohol, do those, are you going to count those? The F-150 isn't fast enough. No. And it was a 2018 Ford F-250. 250, okay. I would say that he hits three of the five slices of the Wheel of Misfortune. I would, too. But I'm also not surprised that he was in the Taco Bell drive through at 1118 p.m. when they found weed edibles in the vehicle. No, not a surprise at that all. Tracks. Because that, that tracks. That just they, they go together. Now, I'll tell you this. Usually in that case, you're going to talk about later because it's the fourth meal. <laughs> That's exactly you right. Know what I mean, a little early for the fourth meal. But he might have been up earlier. He might have had an OTA or something. Leave the edibles at home. But when you go get the edible-induced food, my cousin put it to me when I was 16, the best way I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Only break one law at a time. That's not a bad idea. That's that's the that's yeah, the, the way I that's the way you you have to do it. If if you're going to get in a car and drive to Taco Bell when you're already on some edibles, you're breaking one law there. Don't break any more. But I wonder if three pistols too. But were, yeah, were the edibles that. illegal though? No, but the pistols. It's in the, Florida, Gainesville, Florida, or excuse me, Gainesville, Texas, not Florida. Okay, my okay, bad. Okay, well my then bad. they are illegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah Gainesville, it, Texas. Also yeah. having guns in the car. That's one of the three. That's yeah, yeah. probably one of the three. Yeah. So, wait, so wait, did you say did you say after midnight women and then drugs and alcohol? Yeah, fast cars and sense. guns. Yeah. So those you get three of those five together, you got problems. You get all five together, and we've had that. We've had the uh, the golden sombrero before. Who? I don't remember the who Vikings. it was. <laughs> the Vikings uh, lake party. Uh, I don't think that they had the fast cars. Oh yeah. But we've we have had people that have picked up the golden sombrero. Six five seven eight zero. If you remember a sports Who incident, yeah, yeah. So that was arrested with a gun, fast car, after midnight, women, and drugs and alcohol. Uh, it's really depressing. Henry Ruggs. No gun. Oh, there's no gun in that one. You're right. No. Damn, that's true. So, 
There's got to be somebody, though. Yeah, there is. (laughs) Record setting. (laughs) Pretty impressive. (laughs) You're killing me, Small. Okay, this one's random, but I had to throw this your way, Randy. It's kind of an Uncle Randy life advice Mm -hmm. segment here. So Martha Stewart was doing an interview with Chelsea Handler, and uh, Chelsea was asking Martha about her dating life, about men. And here's what she said. She said, because I know you're dying to hear about this, but I just want your take, Uncle Randy. She said, I had two mad crushes in the last month, which is really good for me. But it turns out, you know, one of them is married to the mother of some friends of mine, and he's just so attractive. Chelsea Handler to Martha Stewart. You know, you can't be a homewrecker. Chelsea Handler. No, I'm not. I've, or excuse me, Martha Stewart. I'm not. I've never been a homewrecker. I've tried really hard not to be. <laughs> I've had the opportunity to be a homewrecker, and I have not taken anybody up on it. And that's really where, that's where I meet men. They're all married to friends of mine or something like that. Chelsea Handler. It's very difficult because I think there are certain ages we go through where it's very tempting because you want to believe that, oh, maybe this relationship that they're in is temporary. Martha Stewart. Or maybe they'll die. I always think, oh gosh, couldn't that person just die? Chelsea Handler. The wife. Also referring to Martha's friends. Martha Stewart. Yeah, not painfully. Just die. But it hasn't worked out. But it hasn't worked out. That's the kicker right there. Martha's She's hoping for the kicker, yeah, Randy. Yeah. She's hoping they kick the bucket. She's openly saying that she's into her her friend's husbands and is hoping that her friends die so she can date her friend's husbands. Multiples. You don't say that out loud, Martha. <laughs> Maybe think it? Yeah. Can you imagine, though, Martha Stewart inviting her friends over for a beautiful lunch? I'm sure the spread mm-hmm. is delicious. And she's thinking, when are you going to die? Because I think Robbie is smoking. <laughs> Listen, she she kept her mouth shut on the federal stand. She took her nickel and didn't say a word about it's it. Amazing! This and is the fact great. that she's going public with this tells me she has reached a completely different. I don't care. I'm 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 in. What is she like in her late seventies? She's like, no, no. I have some friends who have hot husbands. Please croak so I can move in. Do you think that that's more common? The reason I brought it up, do you think that's more common than we realize? Not that you're hoping that your friends die, but do you think there's dudes out there that are really into their buddies' wives and they're like, man, I wish you'd get divorced? Yes. Uh, no, it's so, called bro code. You don't, no. you don't, mar- you don't marry your, your, your yeah, buddy's but wife. It's Unless external it's- bro code, but you're, I'm talking that they're thinking that. They're thinking, man, Tiffany is a babe. I wish that she would break up with Jimmy because I would so go for her. I guarantee you it happens. I mean, it has happened. Do you think it's more common, though, than we realize? Men don't plan like that. Because I would never be into any of my friend's husbands. I could be like, yeah, he's so good looking, great guy, but I want my friend to be with someone like that. It's been on the the fight. Fritz Peterson and Mike Kekic. Yeah, they they uh, they swapped, uh, yeah. they they traded uh, and or then, the wife traded husbands. We say we always say they traded. Maybe the wife traded husbands, and then only one of them lasted a long period of time. Only one of them, one of them crumbled in like a month, and okay. the other one like lasted years. Six five seven eight zero. Oh, if you're into one of your buddies' wives or one of your girlfriend's husbands, not that you want them to die, no, but I just yeah, you're, you're totally into anonymous. It. Anonymous. We will not read the number. Yeah. We will not give it out. We don't know which friend you're talking yeah. about. Just a simple yeah, I'm into her, or yeah, I'd I'd go for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany and Jimmy is a saved by the bell. That's a text. Uh, that's uh, Kelly and Zach. Get it right. Yeah, right. Hello? Thank you. Uh, okay, so we've gotten a few. Somebody from the 618 says, pretty sure Aaron Hernandez had all five, but I don't think that he had the fiance in the car with him. No, she was and that's not. part of it. No. Okay. Lamar Odin? I don't think Lamar ever... I don't think there was guns. No, I don't think he ever had the gun deal. At the Bunny Ranch? What's Randy, it called? The Bunny Ranch? Randy Ga- Gregory, I don't think he ever had them all at once. I know there's somebody that had them all at once. Yeah. Yeah, Randy Gregory's the guns and the and the drugs are two different two different things. Yeah. 
Uh, Sheldon Richardson just had a kid in the car when he was driving 147. Uh, Wait. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, he did. You're right. He had like a pound of weed and like a 12-year-old. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was over on 141, wasn't it? That was Uh, here. Yeah, it was here. It was in town. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Plexico Burris. Plexico Burris, his biggest crime was uh, wearing sweats to the club. Uh, Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Jose Canseco never had that. Uh, I don't think Scott Spezio ever had all five. Uh, so, yeah, well, I'll think of it. I, I guarantee we'll have it. By the way, well, you know what? Tomorrow's special, and we'll tell you about tomorrow. As And we're not going to be here, but we're going to celebrate, certainly, uh, Michelle, Matthew, and Randy when we get ready for the balloon party next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Happy Jeff Fisher Day tomorrow. Yes, seven nine. Seven nine. We're giving away some tickets for next Tuesday's Budweiser Bash featuring the Willie McGee bobblehead. Ooh, coveted. The, yeah, because the tickets are sold out. The the bobbleheads are only available here. And at cardinals.com slash promotions for future events, you can get involved with their other bobbleheads. But if you want to get one of the Willie McGee bobbleheads and a four-pack of tickets to next week's sold-out Bud Bash, here's the question you have to answer. And you have to be texter number 79. Oh, buddy. How many years as head coach of the St. Louis Rams did Jeff Fisher finish 7 and 9? Great question. How many years did he have 7 and 9 teams with the St. Louis Rams? All right, texter number seven nine, and you win the tickets to the Bud Bash. Speaking of the text machine, Michelle, we've got a few about uh, the Martha Stewart situation. Now, for those who weren't listening last segment, we shared a story that Martha Stewart did an interview with Chelsea Handler where she said that she thinks her friends' husbands are hot. And she's into them. And she's hoping that her friends die soon. Now, I looked it up. She's 80. She's hoping that her friends die so she can date their husbands. And so I just said, this is a safe space. We won't read your name or your phone number. Are you into your buddy's wives? Or if you're a female, are you into your girlfriend's husbands? Would you go for it? So I'm just going to read you a few, Randy, because we've gotten an overwhelming amount of texts on this. From the 314, yes, she and I actually talked about it and decided the risk wouldn't be worth it, but that the feelings were mutual. I'm now deleting this text thread so my wife doesn't see it. But please note, we only talked about it. That is terrific restraint on both of your parts. And I congratulate you. Now, this one from the 314 says, I think about all of my friends' wives. So you're just a guy. That's... That's a lot. Now, the three, another one from the 314, yes, exclamation point. I think about most of my friends' wives, so not all, but most. Hmm. Uh, 314, of course, Smalls, we all have friends with hot wives that we can dream about. The 314 says, of course, <laughs> I would date my buddy's wife if he and my wife died. <laughs> or she, yeah, if he and my wife died. Of course. Of course, I would definitely do it. From the 202, I am super ashamed, but I am totally into a buddy's wife. Well, at least you're ashamed. That's a good thing. Huh. But, I mean, overwhelming amount of people saying, yes, I am into a friend's significant other. Mm. Or at least I think they're hot and I Mm. have thought about it. Here's one where it did get executed. Nobody got executed. But uh, LOL, five years ago, my then wife and I got a divorce because my friend and wife decided to get together. Ooh, yikes. Yeah. So it has happened. So I guess Martha Stewart's... 
hopes and dreams are not unusual. I guess other people have them too. She's just not afraid to put it out there. At 80 years old, yeah, what the heck? You know, she's hanging out with Snoop Dogg. She's right. what do you say, Randy Puff and the Magic Dragon? She is now and then. Yeah, yep. she's just throwing it out there. You know. I, yeah. I don't know if my takeaway from this segment is to not have friends or to not get married, but it's one of the two or both. What, Good if, Lord Almighty, you people are monsters. If I am Martha Stewart's girlfriend, I'm not going to her house for lunch, okay? Oh, She's going to yeah. poison you. Exactly. If you have a hot husband and you're friends with Martha, don't go to lunch there. No. Uh, great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Quick, quick question, though. Yes. Was it total Jeff Fisher seasons or Rams seasons? He went seven to nine. Uh, seasons with the St. Louis Rams. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we'll, I, I think we've got a winner, but yeah, somebody's winning tickets, which is, is very cool. Speaking of tickets, Michelle, have fun at the game tonight. Bring home a winner. Thank you. Excited to see Adam Wainwright throw in person. My first Cardinals game as a fan this season. And thank you, Randy, for uh, hooking it up. And you enjoy those uh, pulled pork nachos. Oh, you know I'm going for it. No yeah. doubt. We've got a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.